Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, direct you on Patreon, or if you're listening later on public, this is Force Center and a special other center look at Indiana Jones. We call it Indiana Jones and the Perilous Podcast. I'm Ken Napsock. 
I'm Joseph Scrimshaw, and I am very happy to be here on this uh, quest, this obsessive quest to discuss all of the Indiana Jones films. Uh, perhaps, Ken, you and I can discover uh, what is the real treasure of us going on this journey? Is it rewatching the films? Is it connecting with listeners about uh, Indiana Jones? Is it recording the podcast? What's the real treasure to you so far? <laughs> the treasure to me so far is to uh, uh, really spend time with uh, a franchise, a character, and, and and movies and stories that I've just spent my whole life with, but really haven't slowed down to break break down scenes and lines and find out really what it means. It, it's all there, and I go, yep, yep, that's what I thought, or yep, that's what I've always uh, considered, or oh, that's new, or there's little facts that pop up. There's some in this movie. Um, but uh, that's been the real reward for me. Uh, you know, a search of uh, facts, and here we are getting the truth. <laughs> exactly. No, I really agree with that. I'm I'm really enjoying getting other perspectives from you and from some great responses uh, when we've been posting these on on Patreon, asking other people about their relationships with the films. Uh, but I've just really been enjoying discovering the actual archaeology of the films, <laughs> the, yeah. uh, the Spielberg history, the Lucas history, the everybody involved history, but also just uh, getting to dive in and sort of compare and comp contrast because it is a franchise onto itself, but the films are so different from one mm -hmm. another. And I don't think I've ever really appreciated how different they are and that's helping me understand even more things about myself you have to look in the mirror and go now <laughs> temple of doom has some problems why do you love it so much you weirdo you know <laughs> uh that's a great point too just on um you know especially the the, the, the first three uh, and actually all four but but the first three are are obviously lumped together uh for various reasons uh good bad and otherwise but i i've always looked at them looked at them as like one thing right and the deceit did they're clearly different eras within the eighties, right? Like you, you could feel, and this one uh, comes out smack dab in the middle of some things uh, that are important in my life as well. It has that feel. So I, I connect to it from that way. And this looks like a, a an early nineties film to me in, in a wonderful way. And, and I had never really slowed down to, to look at it from those angles as well. Yeah, no, there's so many different ways to hold it up to the light and turn around. So let's start holding it up. Uh, we are talking Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade released in May of 1989, an important time in Ken's life. And yeah, mine as well, honestly. Uh, it runs about uh, a little over two hours runtime. The story is by George Lucas and Menno Mejas. Uh, Menno uh, Mejas is uh, responsible for uh, uncredited work on, I guess, Empire of the Sun, uh, credited work on The Color Purple, an episode of Spielberg's television show, Amazing Stories. And then yeah. the screenplay is by Jeffrey Boehm, whose credits include uh, many 80s movies that I haven't seen, like The Dead Zone and Inner Space, <laughs> and oh, 80s movies yeah. I have seen, like The Lost Boys uh, and uh, the Lethal Weapon series. I love Inner Space. Oh, gosh. Uh, I, I did know he, he wrote that. I forgot to... Uh, Kind of forgot that though in the back of my my brain. Love inner space. That make that makes even more sense. There you go. Love I gotta check out inner space. I have uh, a one episode of um, I'm forgetting the, the name of it. Uh, the, a famous science fiction magazine that was the tenth anniversary Starlog, tenth uh, <laughs> anniversary of A New Hope, and that's the cover story. But then within it is. Uh, a preview of the James wow. Bond film, The Living Daylights of uh, Inner Space. Uh, and so I read about Inner Space because I read that magazine front to back again and again. <laughs> I've never seen Inner Space and there's a character named Scrimshaw in it. So I got to watch that damn movie. Oh, wow. Oh, I've been a while since that one. 
Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, the film was directed by Steven Spielberg. Uh, do you have any reaction to these credits? Um, I think I always associate the Indiana Jones series, um, you know, with some of the, the great uh, Star Wars team with Lawrence Kasdan. I didn't always remember that there's a slew of different writers. Is that something that stays present in your mind or how do you feel about it? No, I, I think I think it uh, does not stay present. I, I think I think that's one of the things to to this this podcast series has helped me kind of remember to, uh, with Willard uh, Hook and uh, Glory Katz doing Temple of Doom, right? Like, and and then you know the connection to graffiti, it all makes sense and everything. But just it, th- those kind of names got lost in time, right? Uh, especially mm-hmm. this one, Jeremy Baum, uh, Menemius, like you said, like like yeah, and, and very much of its time too. You're coming off of big movies, Inner Space was was kind of big at the time, I think, but. Mm-hmm. but Purple was this award winner, like you know, like just makes a lot of sense. But then the names kind of drift away from the legends, don't they? They really do. They really do. But that was uh, great to see and great to read a little bit more uh, about these writers. And I uh, can't wait to see many of the movies I missed from the eighties, which is <laughs> a lot of these credits. I uh, had a weird childhood, everybody. So, what prep did you do? I know this is one of your favorites, and I know you rewatch it like you drink water. Um, mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. how did you go about watching it for this discussion? I, I had accidentally prepped uh, by watching this a couple times over the last few months. Uh, even I think <laughs> when we were kind of getting ready to do this series, I just I, I put it on one day, and it, that, you, you, yeah, it is like water. It is it is um, uh, it is that movie for me. But yeah, I, I, I did do what I always do. I, I sit down and I pull up all the notes I can from uh, the fandom wiki page for Indiana Jones or, or, or just Wikipedia. And I didn't have time to watch. Um, I, I do want to watch that fourth disc doc that uh, you've been referencing mm. that I saw years ago. Um, there's stuff out there. Uh, and we always talk about that, but, um, but yeah, just sit down with the movie, watch it this morning, take notes was, was the simple prep. But in truth, the prep is be- began about 1989. <laughs> the prep is ongoing. Yeah. I've been so uh, enjoying rewatching these films and just feeling like it's the summer of Indiana Jones um, for me. You know, movies pass much faster and, and we're so much more tied on to to everything that's going on in the world and social media, which I think is a good thing. But, you know, when you and I were young, a, a movie would hit and then that's that would be the the two or three uh, films of the summer. And, and we don't have as much of that. But all this rewatching is making me feel like for me, this is the summer of Indiana Jones. That's what I'm going to remember. That's what it's about. Mm-hmm. So I'm really enjoying watching these and wanting to make time to watch them a couple of times. And I don't have the time. (laughs) So it it was honestly a scramble for me. I've been looking forward so much. And I ended up being like, I, these, these are the times that I can shoot it in on, on Tuesday uh, before we were recording here on a Thursday. And I watched it in two parts, uh, a a Tuesday afternoon with coffee and then uh, some evening time with my wife and then late night, second half uh, with whiskey (laughs) <laughs> and I, I have my ritual that I like to watch these things with action figures. And I have my uh, my Indiana Jones Raiders of the Lost Ark retro action figure. I forgot to put them out for the first half. So it felt like I'd been missing a part of my ritual. So the, the whiskey and the action figure watched the second half of this with me. And it, and it felt right. It felt complete. <laughs> no, that makes a, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I, I, I've been slowly picking up uh, indie toys uh when i can in the in the target toy aisle uh lately um and i'm I'm eyeing the marion in the white dress figure that's out there so maybe by the time i get the crystal skull i'd love to have that marion watching with me 
Oh yeah, that that Marion's uh, gonna be uh, coming to my home because the monkey really puts it over the top. <laughs> really does. <laughs> uh, I went to a Target in, intending to buy the German mechanic, uh, but his yes. card was all beat up, and uh, it was a very funny conversation. Like, oh, I can't buy the German mechanic; he's too beat up. <laughs> uh, yeah. So this one was it was really fun for me to rewatch because there are parts of it that I really really remember and uh, parts of it I'm always like exactly how does this all fit together but in particular getting to sit down and watch this after uh, such a critical examination of Temple of Doom and really uh, enjoy this film as its own film as a conclusion to a trilogy but also pretty viscerally a response <laughs> <laughs> the mm-hmm. Temple of Doom. And uh, the the behind the scenes, I also made time to watch that uh, on that fourth disc of the set I have. Um, and it's much shorter. It's about 35 minutes. There are a couple of, you know, in, kind of important to the history of it um, things where, you know, Sean Connery is interviewed about how much he, he was, you know, he wanted the character to be more eccentric. He wanted the character to be uh, more adventurous. Mm-hmm. And really pushing for those changes. The funny interview about him talking about not wearing pants in the Zeppelin conversation right. scene. Right. Right. Uh, kind of, there's a, a section of Harrison Ford talking about how he did get the scar in real life and in a mm. real hand wavy way of like, yeah, it's a car accident in 22 or 23, and wrap my car around a, a telephone pole. <laughs> so there's some great stuff on it. But then there's some really funny segments toward the end where obviously Steven Spielberg, visionary. Um, Mm. But there's some of those really funny documentary moments toward the end where he's talking about the themes and the ideas, but he's just listing exactly what happens in the film. (laughs) And I love that when that happens on behind the scenes, like, yeah, no, no, we we know we all all saw that Indy was trying Mm -hmm. to grab the cup, but his father pulled him up. We saw that, Steven. (laughs) <laughs> so you did not miss as much uh on this behind okay. the scenes is my point uh yeah. all right let's get into the big uh big picture so i know this is one of your favorite indiana jones films maybe one of your favorite films period yeah. where does it rate for you is it uh the best for you yeah it, it is absolutely the best for me uh, as we said earlier in the writers episode i i, I think i consider that the best in the series in terms of uh, filmmaking and Achievement and all that kind of good stuff. It, it, it's a different vibe, that Raiders film, but this is my favorite to watch. Whereas, you know, Return of the Jedi connected with me at seven. I, I really wanted to figure out why did this one connect with me? And I think the Jedi thing in 83, being seven years old, that kind of started my dreams, right? Then this film came along at an age, I think, uh, what, about 13, 12, 13 range, fin- finishing junior high for me. Came an age when I was really ready to make those dreams come true, right? Like I'm approaching high school, like who mm. you are is starting to emerge, who you want to be is uh, is on the table. And I want to go out out and have adventures and, and not necessarily these type. Um, maybe I would have loved to have you know, cracked a whip and worn a cool hat, but uh, I just wanted to go be me. And I think that's where the vibe comes from, from, from this, uh, what connects to me to this film and, and that era. It truly is the 12 year old on, 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 uh, about to start the, the journey and make those choices and all those things that George talks about in his other series. But this one kind of shows up right smack dab in the middle of that time period for me. I, I also mm. 
uh, mention earlier, but it, it comes in the same era as the Young Guns movies that I always mention. Young Guns <laughs> 1 was 1988, Young Guns 2, 1990. And these movies even, they look and feel like Young Guns, uh, Last Crusade does. Like, they're shot in that era when, you know, just like, you know, Raiders in 80 looks like a, a film shot in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Uh, Temple of Doom is a big 80s movie with all kind of the, the 80s tropes that would emerge after it and some that already existed. This one has the feel of everything that was going on at the time, too. So I just kind of love that era. And, uh, you know, I didn't I've ridden horses a few times. I'm not great at it. So <laughs> Young Guns and this with a lot of horse action here. Not for me, but the, the feeling, the vibe and, and the connecting with the bigger world was definitely present. Did you do you feel like part of what hooked you in was that it did start with indie at an age much closer to your own and going through something that you were going through of of about to take your first stumbling steps into adulthood? Did that make you feel closer to Indiana? I think on a subconscious level, right? Like I definitely couldn't have, have pointed to the screen and said that in, in the summer of 89, but that definitely <laughs> worked, right? That's a lot of things we'll be talking about what this this film is about. And, and I, I mean, that's that, that, that is, that is the age. Just like I, I am of, of the exact age that the TV show wonder years ran, right? Like sixth grade to 11th grade, like <laughs> every year was my year. Oh, exactly. So I connected to the show on a, am I watching my own life type of way? And so, yeah, I absolutely think that it works in that way. Absolutely. And, and, and talking about form and who you want to be and who you're dreaming of being, uh, it all kind of shines through in that opening. Yeah, no, that's really powerful. Uh, the it's interesting when the film came out for me. That was uh, it was eighth grade for me, and that was a really uh, there was a big a big year where I stepped into into my own and mm. and felt uh, a little bit more uh, powerful and felt agency. That's a weird way to say it. I felt powerful and not megalomaniacal, but just the mm. amount of power we should all feel <laughs> yeah, yeah. of being ourselves in agency. And uh, I was socializing a lot. Um, and I, I kept choosing socializing over doing things that I would have normally wanted to do. I never got to see the Indiana Jones films because they were too scary. Uh, but my dad and my brother went to this one. And I remember being super excited for it. I was a huge James Bond fan. Um, so this this was uh, Han Solo meets James Bond. Yeah, <laughs> I want to see that. Um, but I chose some social event. I don't even remember what it is now. And then. I knew I knew from the commercials that it was, you know, a, a dad and son story. And then my mm. dad and my brother went without me. <laughs> and then pretty soon after it, we must have rented it on VHS because then I saw the whole whole series. And I wasn't like super resentful of it because I, I made the choice not to go. But I think there was maybe subconsciously a, a part of me that was always felt a little distant from this film. Like it wasn't allowed to be mine because mm. I didn't have that experience and this experience was about a right. dad and a, a son bonding so it was really nice to watch it this time and be like okay rip all that wiring out of your head rip out yeah. the wiring that you know you don't have this memorized like uh, other people have since 1989 so you know I, I think I had a little bit of that you know mm. you're not a true fan gatekeeping of myself uh and it was really great to just rip all of that out and just uh, interact with the film and, and own it, own my fandom. That's wonderful. No, that's a, I, that, that would be hard. It's a great father-son adventure. Not for you. Soon. Wait. What you <laughs> Yeah. And I mean, I have a, I have a good relationship with uh, my father better than 
yeah. <laughs> indie. So, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't even that, but uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, I, I, so I really, really like this one. I, I think it mm-hmm. is up there with Raiders and just, you know, the best made the script, the performances, the cohesion of ideas, the mm-hmm. uh, yeah, number of iconic lines in locations, great set yeah. pieces. Uh, I think uh, I'll need to re-see uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, but this film is bonkers funny. It is the mm-hmm. funniest of the films by a lot, in my oh. opinion, uh, and the most heartfelt. So I really, really love this film for what it is, but particularly on this viewing with the direct contrast to Temple, I do miss a little bit of the the pulpy, weirder, darker elements. Like mm-hmm. those got turned to 11 in Temple of Doom, but I think they're president raiders. I think they're president in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. And it feel, this film feels like it was such a reaction to uh, how Temple of Doom got much darker than even Spielberg and Lucas intended <laughs> that it's racing on a horse in the other direction you know it's not a mm-hmm. subtle course correction it, it you know young guns connection is right there it feels like a western you know yeah. two yep. of the biggest set pieces take place in western locations uh, with horses involved but the color palette uh, the locations like the darkest it gets is there there's briefly lightning over a castle in europe <laughs> that's yeah. as dark as it gets you know yeah, yeah, no. I, when I think of this movie, I think of sun. I just think of sunlight. <laughs> That's what I think about all the time when I'm in the mood to watch indie. It's is is it Moab, Utah, or is it uh, uh, the desert outside of uh, you know Petra, uh, Jordan? Like, it, uh, yeah, it, it, it just it, you're absolutely right. And 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 maybe we can bring it up a little bit later in in little quibbles and things that we might think um, years now. But I the fact that it is such a clear reaction to. It's a fan. I mean, indie Temple of Doom was still well received and well rated. You know, it still made money. Like it wasn't like a it was a failure. But for Stephen uh, to react so directly to that kind of stuff, and also maybe what was in his heart, um, mm-hmm. which is his right as an artist, I, I, that's one of the things. Like, I wonder what he would have done if he just had removed that piece a little bit. Could there have been a little bit more? Of what you're talking about? Because um, I do agree, it is it, it is slightly different uh, than the other two because of that. Yeah. yeah. Reading between the lines on some of the behind the scenes things I, I've been watching or reading, there's a quote somewhere from Lucas about uh, for Temple of Doom, he was so concerned about losing Spielberg. And th- there's the discussion about how Lucas said, hey, if we're doing this, you got to commit to three. I want to do a trilogy. Right. And that there was this real concern about losing him for Temple of Doom and, and, and getting him in time. And I feel like, you know, maybe uh, a part of what Spielberg felt like a temple of doom got away from me a little bit is that a more sense of like, yeah, I'm happy to be doing Indiana Jones, but I am doing it. Cause I told George I'd do a second one and now we're doing the second one. And yeah. there's so much about the last crusade that Spielberg, it, it feels like it's not just a tonal thing. It feels like Spielberg saying, I need to be personally deeply connected to this film. This needs to be my mm-hmm. film, not uh, me executing George's idea. I, yeah, that's actually, I'd love to like hear more about that, like out there, like it, it, sit down with Steve and <laughs> ask that. Cause this does feel, um, the one that's not least George, that's not the right way to say it, but yeah, exactly what you, you said, that vibe of just like Steven going, cool, cool. Here's what I want to do. And, and, you know, and part of the, the, the legends around this movie are the different versions, the Chris Columbus script, all those kind of things, mm-hmm. castle. So those kind of become there as well. And, I think Jeffrey um, Bohm is the one who kind of, you know, puts it down on, on paper in the best way. I, I think Tom Stoppard 
comes in and does some ghostwriting too. I was reading with a lot of the dialogue, but 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 it's it's yeah, it's a Spielberg film as as the other as the other two were. I don't want to get the cinephile uh, here, <laughs> um, but but this one it, it, the, the spirit shines through. Yeah, and I think that's maybe one of the things that I really enjoyed about it on this viewing is that on one hand it is absolutely Spielberg's film, and on the other hand. It is also very George Lucas. Obviously, he's he's the credited story by it. Many of the story elements are his ideas, so there's that just factual thing. Yeah, but it it, it feels like Spielberg because the father son relationship, uh, more humor, more heart. Uh, once you've seen the Fablemans, because I just didn't know Spielberg's life, but I was a huge fan of the Fablemans, and the Last Crusade reads like a. a Fableman's prequel or like I'm not ready to tell my real life story <laughs> so I'll tell it with archaeologists and Nazis but um, it so all these things that make it feel like yeah, this Spielberg's film but there's also this huge Lucas component because Last Crusade is a setup for the television show um, yeah yeah it, it feels like um, it, there's the the Lucas obsession with prequels in that opening scene of sort of explaining and setting up things. Uh, it's hard to not watch The Last Crusade as, as just a backdoor pilot <laughs> mm-hmm. for the TV show. And I don't mean that as any dismissal of the film at all. It's just uh, like about a year ago, I watched the first chunk of the Indiana Jones uh, Chronicles where he's a kid, left off right when he's becoming a, a teen. But there's so much in this film that is directly picked up in that that show. The the father and son relationship is very present. Everything that's happening when Indy's a kid is that he's being forced to study and his distant dad is is away. Uh, there's a real friction between being an academic and an adventurer. Uh, Indy's mom dying, Indy leaving home are pivotal, important moments. So it's it's a Spielberg film and it's a, a Lucas setup for his <laughs> yeah. obsession with prequels and, and teasing out these ideas. So maybe even ideas that about that father son relationship that Lucas was initially like, I'm not sure about that. He was very sure about it when he made the television show. Fascinating. Yeah. You and I were talking off and off air. Uh, you just recently watched it. They're all coming, coming to Disney plus. We believe they're going to be what, what, what uh, you described just as, as the only versions left from George when he re-edited them into films. And I actually think I, I really like that decision, but I just spent a lot of time looking into them this week for another project I was working on. And I can't wait to somehow discuss those. We don't know if we're going to go through all 22 episodes. <laughs> it's yeah. fascinating because that is George to the core and really get, gives the insight to where he was going with Star Wars. Yeah. It really gives insight into Indiana Jones, but it, 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 yeah, the, the in young Indiana Jones television show is a prequel to the prequels in terms mm-hmm. of, the ideas, uh, the technology, the cast is just keeps being, well, there's me, there's CEO Bibble. Here we go. Right. <laughs> so, oh uh, yeah, I would love to find ways to discuss it. Um, but uh, Spielberg's film uh, emotionally and maybe Spielberg's film when it came out in 1989, uh, but with the legacy and the history of the television show, also very much Lucas. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. Final overall thing that I want to talk about before we get into the heart of the ideas is I just love the Bond legacy coming full circle. Uh, that mm. the the infamous story we've talked about on the beach of Spielberg saying, I want to do a Bond film. And Lucas saying, I got something better. And uh, you, you can absolutely see some of the, the Bond inspirations in Raiders of the Lost Ark, but it's also its own thing. And then I was really struck by Temple of Doom has a lot more of the scenes and beats and moments that you expect from a Bond film 
So I really liked that this uh, came full circle with, you know, the original James Bond, Sean Connery, not only in the film, but Sean Connery using his fame as James Bond to play against type. And that uh, I think if, if you'd never heard of Sean Connery before, the film is still funny. But yeah. when it comes out in 1989 and Sean Connery is uh, James Bond and the actions, one of the first action stars who had the uh, later in life comeback and is still a badass in every film. Uh, mm-hmm. To have him play against type is a huge part of what the joke of this film is. Yeah, abs- absolutely, absolutely. The eccentric uh, version that he's playing. I love, and I love even just the stories of of him kind of putting his own thoughts into the the writing and, and creative process in this one too. He really knew yeah. what he wanted to do. If he was going to do it, he was really going to do it. And he did it. And it is to me one of the the greatest parts of the film. All right, let's get into the big ideas then. Uh, For you, what are the themes? What ideas are at stake in this movie? Yeah, uh, let's go to let's go to the scoreboard with Spielberg and and see what's in the film here. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, absolutely. Letting go is is a big one for me, uh, as described uh, by Spielberg in that scene. But you know, it, 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 you play that idea of letting go, which is a big Star Wars theme as well, of course. But uh, you play that against the search for eternal life, right? And and and, mm. and you and every man's dream, right? Says Walter Donovan of not letting not letting go, and 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 that's he doesn't quite state it as unlimited power, but you know, Hitler can take the world. Uh, he'll he'll be he'll go the way of the dodo, and I'll still be here because that's really what I want. And 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 there's, that's kind of the big version of it there, but. In that, I think Indy and all the stuff we're going to talk about with his, his father, it's absolutely this big ticket idea of letting go of, of, of pain and, and resentment and not necessarily forgetting, but forgiving or, and working forward. I think there's a great moment uh, with uh, Dr. Jones finally coming around to even say the name Indiana comes at a very mm-hmm. key moment, which is about his version of, of letting go, letting go of what he maybe hoped for his son or what he hoped to ha- have with his son or what he felt he never could, all those kind of big Big ticket items all wrapped up for me in, in this search for, for the growl. And that leads to some other big things as well. But without a doubt, without a doubt, it, it, it goes beyond two. And I'm so curious. I, I definitely have to watch that doc to see specifically what Spielberg was saying. I'm so curious. But it, it, the letting go, it, it's not just big power, dark side, light side type of stuff. It is, you know, this 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 glory, this, this item, this relics fingertips away from you. And that, that's how it kind of plays out. But but really, it's all about that moment of, of Indiana, Indiana, let it go. It's it's such a beautiful moment. That's that's the big spiritual moment for me that kind of fuels a lot of the other things that are in this film for me. Yeah, no, I think what you're saying is beautiful of, of tying the pretty explicit message of letting go of the cup um, mm-hmm. to letting go of of emotions of uh, India is India's great in this film because he's, he's just a raw nerve the entire time. Whole time. Yeah, rattling. Um, and and it is uh, Connery's delivery is so great. It's so soothing. Uh, mm-hmm. Let it go. And and the idea that yeah he he's mm-hmm. that it's that it's not even that he wants the cup really. Uh, he yeah. he knows he knows better. Um, he was just telling <laughs> Elsa to n- not reach for it. But it's more like that that the way you're describing it to me gives me this great visceral like feeling of what if you could just reach out and grab something that would calm all of those voices in your head about mm-hmm. all those doubts and fears. And it's almost like that's, what's calling to him. 
And yeah. I love connecting it to the emotions. Uh, in, in terms of what Spielberg says, uh, very similar to what you said, but you said it a little bit more elegantly. <laughs> there you go, Steven. There you go. I got you. <laughs> and one Spielberg 242. Yeah, not. Uh, I'm. I'm just. I'm just joking because it's clear he's clearly an artist who who knows exactly mm-hmm. what he wants and exactly uh, what it means to him. It's just a funny interview moment because yeah. uh, you know they're playing the clips and like, mm-hmm, yeah, uh, yeah. I really agree with you. I, I think letting go is is crucial. I think it is crucial that that is uh, what Donovan wants out of it is mm-hmm. eternal life, the opposite of letting go. Uh, I also just feel like connected to that and, and you're talking about this as well the biggest picture thing to me is just this idea of what is the real treasure um mm-hmm. at the time that this is made it's it's the end of the journey it was they agreed to do a trilogy yeah. and it, it, the the films starting with the title of the first one raiders of the lost ark have uh questioned what indiana is doing why does he want these treasures where where do they belong what are they for who do they belong to we talked a bunch about temple of doom uh the, the shankara stones uh, are not a source of 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 uh mm-hmm. you if somebody else taking power from them they are defense and protection and they belong where they belong um mm-hmm. so i feel like it's powerful that this film is a, a question of well what's indiana going to go after in indy it's it's not a realization halfway through for Indiana Jones that he's not after the cup. He's never after the cup. Yeah. He's literally practically the plot. He says it. I don't care about the cup. Mm-hmm. I'm looking for my dad. Um, and and I think for Henry Jones Sr., uh, he's been obsessed with his quest his entire life. And it's only in this in this adventure that he gets so many other treasures out of it than than finding the cup it's, it's a reward to find the cup and you know hey ha- have it stop him from dying yeah. uh sure sure he's happy he saw the cup and it <laughs> saved him from a horrible bullet wound but i think what he gets out of it is a, a reconnection to his son and also yeah. i think an awakening of himself so i think the film is is explicit but also has some great nuance about asking what is mm-hmm. the point of all this treasure hunting that these films have been about yeah, a lot of that is embodied for me in, in uh, Kazim, uh, Kazim from um, the Brotherhood of the Cruciform Sword. Like, I, I love his appearances. It, it's, it's, he's not in the movie a lot, of course, but the intensity that he uh, has and, and just kind of really laying on the line for, for, for uh, Indiana. Why do you seek this? Why do you seek this? And, and in a series that is about seeking, it's interesting. This is one of the only ones where he actually doesn't get what he's seeking, right? The, 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 the arc, he gets it. The, the government takes it. Yes. The stones, he gets it, but he gives it back. Yes. He doesn't walk away with them. He's not, they're not in his closet at home. Um, like my star Wars, like us, but he, you know, they, they do not get this. No one gets this one. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that kind of driving home the point of what you're saying there, what's really beyond it. What's the, yeah. what's the treasure? He gets renewal for his father. Uh, yeah. not, you're not not immortality but more time with his father he gets a a rebirth of his relationship is is the treasure that is delivered via the treasure um one of the things that i really appreciated about this what is the real treasure theme uh on this view and, and this idea of letting go is every time i've watched this film i've just been really intrigued by young indiana jones its connection to the television show it's a it's a great scene mm-hmm. um but mm-hmm. really looking at the, the way the cross of Coronado is handled that 
we've got two uh, artifacts, two Joneses, and two obsessions um, mm-hmm. that we know that Henry Jones Sr. has been obsessed with the uh, Ark his entire life, and we get that great teaser uh, of him researching it and writing in his, his diary way back when. But, uh, you know, I forgot that Indy, it directly says that he's been looking for the cross of Coronado his whole life, that this is one of the things that set him on this adventure. And he's got that kind of hooray moment with Brody uh, where Brody says, you've been looking for this all my life. And then it's like a sad trombone. <laughs> it's, it, it's, Indy's happy, but now he's been looking for it forever. Mm-hmm. Found it. It's sitting in a museum. He maybe gets expensive <laughs> champagne for free. Right. And then he's just sitting bored and restless in his office. Mm-hmm. He got the object that he was obsessed with. He, he kind of set things right. There's a sense that he doesn't have anything else. What did he get out of the journey? And I think that really sets up the much larger story of what are both Joneses going to get out of the quest for the grail. I, I love that moment and i love that you're bringing it up uh we were talking earlier you know that indiana jones himself says i'm a, you know i'm a professor first right that's, that's one of the things even though you know we clearly know he's got other things he's doing here but that <laughs> scene always i've always gone back to that scene of just like the it's it's there's a little comedy beat with all the kids around him and i'll see each one of them in turn and he goes in there and hides and you kind of feel like oh that's crazy maybe he doesn't want to be there but i don't even know if that's true based on what indiana jones tells everyone else i think he does want to be there he does like these jobs crystal skull one of the driving points is he loses his job and is going to go seek more employment because he needs it (laughs) once that's kind of what starts a lot of the journey so to go to that moment and just have it's such a clear um yeah, it's a downbeat. I think you're. I think you're right. I, I, I think you're, uh, you're pulling out the the spirit of that scene there of him just going. Well, it's still not it, you know. I, I've uh, still haven't found what I'm looking for. Yeah, this endless search and which one will make you feel complete. Mm-hmm. Um, and you highlighted it. I, I love the 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 amount of characters who question or warn uh, about the quest for the Grail, which I think mm-hmm. goes a long way to wrestling with this question of you know why do you hunt treasure and Mm. the film's message i think is is pretty clear that hey the father-son relationship uh it it was the friends we made along the way yeah (laughs) uh that's the real treasure but there's also this element that is asking i think about archaeology and about actual treasure hunting Mm -hmm. um you know it's it's brody right who says the search for the cup of christ is the search for the divine in all of us so he's got his head screwed on straight. You're talking about the great uh, Kazim moment of ask yourself why you seek the cup of Christ. Is it for his glory or yours? Um, and I think it, it builds to uh, this kind of nice surprise that Henry Jones senior isn't just obsessed with the grail the way Indy was just kind of obsessed with the cross of Coronado in an ultimately empty way that mm-hmm he has this great understanding of the quest for the grail is not archaeology. It's a race against evil Yeah, in setting those stakes of what archaeology, he says it's not archaeology, but I'll say it is uh, what, what these quests are sometimes that we've been watching for from Indiana Jones is not about uh, raiding, (laughs) Mm -hmm. not about Mm -hmm. taking something uh, that you shouldn't from a culture that you shouldn't, uh, but that, objects have meaning and 
power and they need to be defended. And Henry Jones uh, senior uh, really sets this up as we we're, I'm not trying to get it. I'd like to see it. I'm not trying to get it. I'm trying to make sure Nazis never put their hands on it. Yeah. 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 Especially as he gets involved in that uh, chase before Indy's brought on board. Uh, yeah. That's another great moment. Um, and I, you know, it's, uh, we, we sometimes do say this where it's, it's like a joke, but it's like, uh, I think Dr. Jones is telling Indy in that moment of it's not a movie. It means something more. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's a movie we're having fun at, but it means something more. That's why we're doing this. That's why, that's why we're out here. And that's why we have to go back into uh, the lion's den, quite frankly, to get the book and get all the yeah. behind it. Yeah, and it's it's so great when you know Indy just yells, "I never understood this obsession." And yeah, may, maybe it was a vain uh, obsession uh, earlier in mm-hmm. Henry Jones Senior's life, but I like that it, it becomes this clear idea of it, it. There are items that need to be safeguarded, um, yeah. and and I do think even though Indiana doesn't get great fulfillment uh, out of finally getting the Cross of Coronado, I it was great to really look at the way the cross of Coronado is discussed. Uh, it's very much presented as being raided, uh, mm-hmm. by fedora man mm-hmm. and Panama man hat just believes he owns it. Uh, so that yeah. belongs in a museum quote, which, which I understand can sound, um, uh, upsetting because it does sound like the real life history mm-hmm. <laughs> of, uh, uh, Western uh, people raiding uh, everywhere and uh, stealing people's artifacts and not giving them back. Uh, so I understand why people are sensitive about that line uh, in that motivation. But in the context of this film, that is Indiana Jones wanting to safeguard the item from somebody who believes he has an unnatural right to it. So I think yeah. the cross of Coronado and the cup are about a part of our responsibility here is, is historians and and adventurers is to safeguard items. I, I really agree with that. Uh, I think that's a great quote that's spilled out of the movie. And then now um, for good reasons is, is brought up in the larger picture um, uh, of archaeology in general. I totally get that. And, and we've discussed that on these episodes before, but I, I really think the full context of the scene um, context of the movie, not just of the time, but just of what, it's, of what it's overall saying. I, I really, I think Indy deserves a little more credit for that line. <laughs> Yep. Uh, yeah. I mean, and, and I believe it's uh, Fedora Man who even clarifies there's there's no one left alive who has a claim to it. Allegedly. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And one can uh, disagree with that in, in terms of real world terms, uh, understandably. Uh, so what are some other big picture ideas uh, to you? The film has some has some uh, it says the word faith a couple of times. Faith, a lot of faith stuff in there indeed. Yes, some great lines about that. Uh, time to ask yourself what you believe. Uh, I love Brody's line. If you want facts, Andy, I've got none to give you at my age. I'm prepared to take a few things on faith. And I think that really um, goes into this idea that that is a, it's an Indiana Jones, Professor Jones um, uh, viewpoint of, of we're not, you know, we're searching for facts. Um we're not here for truth. That's the philosophy class down the hall. Giggle, giggle. Everyone laughs. Um, but clearly, uh, this is what he's about. He's searching his for his truth. And, and for me, that leads to the search for identity. Uh, and Indy going to find what made him. And this is a father-son tale, obviously. And, you know, young, you youngsters out there, trust me, one day you'll look in the mirror <laughs> and be like, why am I walking like my father? Um, it, it's all there. But beyond just the father-son stuff, it's, it's a study of what forms you. 
the the 1912 Utah uh, opening sequence, the image is literally formed, right? Um, mm-hmm. And and I think nowadays we might be wonder. I, I, luckily, we don't have to know, wonder, or, or, or we won't get to figure out what what happened if this movie was released. Now we're going to find out with all of destiny, but. The opening sequence where you find out how he, he gets the whip, he gets the scar, he gets the fear of snakes, he gets the outfit, he gets the damn hat. I, I think some people would brush up against that more than than I did in 89. I loved it. I loved the whole sequence. I loved everything about it because I think it is about a study of what forms you. Uh, this is a 12 or 13 year old life scout in the Boy Scouts who's seen someone who he he wants to be and it's not quite directly one-to-one to han solo of ah, i want to be a scoundrel but deep down I'm a good guy i think i think it's the other way of like i i want to do more i want to find my purpose in the young young indiana jones chronicles he, he 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 goes to join the great war to find a great purpose that that's what he wants to do and so indy is in, in this story uh go you know we're years years later 20 plus years later and he is who he is but now he really has to go back and analyze what made me and and he is like his father the the jokes of them saying answering things at the same time um uh you know the the whole elsa, elsa snyder a uh, bit uh it goes beyond that of just this is who you are and indy is is learning who who he is and learning what makes him and i think that that also factors into this idea of i have of you knowing yourself knowing who you are knowing what you stand for might also keep you from, I don't know, selling out your soul for a grail, right? Because <laughs> that's the thing with Elsa Snyder. Right from the beginning, I, 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 I don't believe she's there for the Nazi cause, but that thing with, with Indiana standing in front of you and says, who, you stood with the them who, and who stand against everything the grail, you know, who's, who's, you know, is against everything mm-hmm. the grail stands for. I don't, who gives a damn, that whole line that I just butchered. Um, <laughs> I, I did write down, but I couldn't scroll down fast enough. I, I I believe that she's like I don't I don't I don't I don't like this but but you don't know who you are you don't know what you stand for so that's why you're losing your grip as you reach for the growl and this is a big giant search for who you are and your identity I I really love that um I think that that's a, some really great insights about the contrast between the journey that India's on mm-hmm. that he's tangled up but he's a raw nerve about this relationship with his father and in the possibility of getting closure, the question of how similar or different uh, I am to him, uh, I think is really important. I want to spend some some time on that. The, mm-hmm. the academic versus the uh, adventurer is a is a big thing that spoke to me in this. But uh, but to contrast that with Elsa, who thinks that she can have all these divided loyalties, mm-hmm. like I, I love that she's a, a femme fatale who. Yeah. you know most likely did sleep with both of them in order mm-hmm. to uh you know ca- cause herself to to not be suspected by them but she also re- legitimately does seem super into indie <laughs> yeah i think so yeah and then obviously the the giving her the actual depth giving that shot of her mm-hmm. truly heartbroken by the the book burning mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. really does paint her as a as a person of divided loyalties and uh somebody the the person that indy could be if he were not strong enough Mm -hmm. yes yes absolutely and didn't and didn't didn't truly know yeah yeah i was i was really i really wanted to dig into the idea of faith because i think sometimes Mm -hmm. i bounce off that in the film a little bit um Mm -hmm. because it's so overtly clearly unignorably 
religious tied to a real world religion that <laughs> many people uh, believe in. Before I get into any any of my thoughts, I'm really curious about your reaction to obviously the the Ark of the Covenant. It, it's mm-hmm. there as well. Um, other faiths, e- even if they're not um, represented faithfully, <laughs> mm-hmm. are there in uh, Temple of the Doom, Temple of Doom. But you you grew up in mm-hmm. in faith. Yeah. How does the how does the faith theme affect you? How does it um, uh, talk to your own real life experiences? Um, I, yeah, no, I did. This was one of the reasons I think I was allowed to see this one over other movies, right? Um, and I think it, uh, you know, does a um, a good enough job. I think uh, explaining some core uh, principles in in the in the in the, the Western v- version of Christianity, however you want to say it, with a avoiding any landmine conversation. <laughs> um, but also in watching it nowadays, uh, watching this movie in two thousand twenty three, I still think it gets a lot of things right about what's there at the core. And do you understand the core? Uh, again, going to Elsa Snyder, um, you, you, you might believe in this thing or you're searching this thing, but you, you're not acting like all the things that are there. And, and that those tests at the end, the, the, the three, the three tests are to me, uh, you know, humble, Neil, um, knowing, following, actually following the, um, in the footsteps of, of God, which it's not just about knowing the correct spelling for the, the, the language of <laughs> time to me. It, it is, but also like, no, no, what is it? Not, not the version you've heard, not the version you just assumed. What's the actual, what's the actual word of God? Be? You know, that kind of thing for me as someone who is, um, who, who still believes, who's, who still, uh, you know, considers himself um, a person of faith, whatever you want to say there, but has now gotten to the point of like, but, but I see so many people, um, so I'm literally burning books of, of representing one thing and not understanding what that actually is. And this is a movie again about drilling down of what this actually means. And, and that's why Indy's able to go forward and the others aren't. Yeah, no, I really like that. I really like uh, the, what the tests mean, what they represent. Uh, I think you can tie it to real life, uh, religious, religious experiences. Um, I think for for myself, I'll keep this short and hopefully non-controversial. Um, I was raised a very Catholic light. Uh, went to church for a long time, but always fun-loving churches that had bands and were welcoming, explicitly welcoming to people of all kinds. I went to uh, Catholic school from first to third grade, which is a confusing time <laughs> mm-hmm. to be taught. What was only only parts of the of the story. Um, but then I, I bumped a little bit because everything that was being taught to me made, made sense, um, mm-hmm. in terms of the morality of what, what is the message? Well, I was like, well, from my perspective, I was like, this Jesus person really agrees with Sesame street, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. be kind, be thoughtful. Uh, you know, we, we all have value and we should all be treated as though we have value all those things. And then, um, I don't know, need to go into any, any details and I'm not painting with a broad brush, only talking about my own personal experience. I very quickly at a very young age ran into people who were saying, I believe this and then doing the exact opposite Mm -hmm. of, uh, exactly what you're talking about. So I think for myself, I have a complex religion, relationship with it. I consider myself a spiritual person i i believe uh that there is something more um Mm -hmm. and i think that is what 
uh, uh, was powerful to me about this. Mm -hmm. For my own perspective at the moment, I don't need the answers. I feel like the connection between us all, the uh, intuition, (laughs) uh, Mm -hmm. things that the force is playing with. I feel like that, that's, that's real. That's connection. That's good. Um, And I feel like it's, it is explicitly religious and people who have a a relationship with the religion might get more in different things out of this. But I really like that this idea of faith was tied also to just being open to wonder, Mm -hmm. to possibility to myth, to the idea that there could be truth. I love how much early on it's highlighted that Indy has this instinct to make everything tangible. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. You're talking about the great uh, quotes in in the classroom about uh, facts, not uh, truth. Uh, Mm -hmm. We're looking for the actual historical facts that we can verify. Um, uh, Watching that, I, I... thought of his line from the first film of like, I had it in my hand, Marcus. And yeah. it paints this picture of Indiana Jones uh, is, is upset that, that things can be nebulous, that things can be unknown And his hunt for artifacts is so that he can take a concept and make it real and touch yeah. it with his own hands and verify it. And we, as the audience have this great benefit of knowing he's seen some bleep. Uh, yes. He is he's seen the fantastic and he's still at the beginning of this film rejecting the fantastic, uh, mm-hmm. you know, calling the Arthurian myth of the cup a bedtime story. Mm-hmm. Uh, the It's a fun joke where he tells his students X never marks the spot and then has to, you know, mm-hmm. eat his own hat, as it were, when it does. Um, but to me, that it's all this build up toward. He, he wants to cling to uh the tangible almost to like a fearful level. I, I love that it's, it's uh, layered in early on when he's at his father's office and he's looking at that painting, which is, is mm. such a great setup for the end of the film. Yeah. Um, with the, the knight stepping into the abyss, he's almost fearful when he turns to Brody mm-hmm. and asks him about belief. It's almost like he's really just saying like all the things I've seen, all, all these all these things that can't be quantified, can't be fully known. I don't like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't like that going after the, the cup is stepping into that world again of the, I don't like the yeah. legendary mysterious implications. Uh, I don't like that. I'm going to have to take a leap of faith into the nebulous emotions of my relationship with my father. I don't like anything that I can't physically touch mm-hmm. with, with my hands. I love that that is so explicitly and powerfully set up because it is religious, but it is also just a, about all of our own relationships of how, how comfortable are you with, you know, going somewhere and saying, I don't know what's behind this door, but it will make me a better person if I open the door and find out. Yeah. Yeah. I always, you know, there's something out there, you know, you, you express faith every time you sit in a chair and hope that it, it works and holds you up, right? Um, <laughs> no, it's funny because this ties into something I've seen, you know, looking around here on the um, the old internet for these movies uh, and just being in, you know, on, on social media. Sometimes it comes up of like, well, wait a minute, you know, in Last Crusade, Indy's got these kind of, uh, you know, he doesn't fully believe type of vibe. 
uh, and he's been possessed. He's watched uh, a heart be ripped out of someone's chest. <laughs> he actually probably uh, heard the sounds of uh, uh, the, the wrath of God at the ark and all those kind of things. And he's, you know, finds the ark after, you know, and, and proves that it's real. I, I, but I think it, this isn't a canon answer or whatever, you know, I don't, we'll wait for Spielberg to point it out in a duck. But like <laughs> to me, what you're describing is exactly it. I'm just like, oh, yeah, no, I, I experienced that stuff. I don't like that. I don't. I don't want to face that or face that that part of myself. You know that 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 could be a way to look at it for me. Mm-hmm. Um, that happens. That happens in our in our lives and in a lot of ways. But but especially especially in the face ways. And it's not just necessarily about actually proving there's a god or believing or whatever or this religion versus that religion. But just that like it. Oh, that put that put put me in a very uncomfortable spot where I had no control. I couldn't understand everything I saw kind of stuff you're, you're talking about there. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's all right for Indy two years later, three years after temple to be like, yeah, no, I'm, I like just picking things up that I <laughs> hold and, go to museum and don't have to ask about it. And by the way, I, 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 I'm in a, I'm in a young Indiana Jones Chronicles mood just because I've been studying for this project and I know you've watched them last year and we were talking about it, but like Indy doesn't have as many magical adventures as a kid. Mm-mm. It's 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 historical stuff. It's 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 educational, which is what George wanted to do with that series. So it's this is not completely normal. And a lot of the books and the comics and the games uh, follow the movie vibe, which I think they should. But they're all about mm-hmm. that: the Lost City of Atlantis and this staff and this staff and magical and aliens and all those kind of things. And and that's just kind of what we expect for Indy. But as a character study, I think it makes more sense that Indy doesn't always experience that. So therefore, it's something he has to face down. Yeah, I really agree with that. And and the setup of the young Indiana Jones show is explicit in his the setup initially when he's a kid is his his father's going on a lecture tour and and Indiana Jones is going to get experience. He's going to do his studies and he's going to read, but then he's going to physically go places. And, you know, India is not going to be a concept. Sigmund Freud isn't going to be a concept. He's going to physically go to these places, yeah. physically meet these people. So in some ways, his his uh, drive to say archaeology is done in, in the library. I look mm-hmm. up a fact, I find three other uh, you know sources to support it, and then I physically go to that location. I touch the object with my hands. In some ways, that's, that's trying to be mm-hmm. what his father taught him to be. Yeah. And then he ends up in this place where to actually get close to his father, to actually save his father... He has to believe in myth, mm-hmm. magic, bedtime stories. Um, yeah. And and what I ultimately really liked, and I think I've always just been like, hey, I get the theme, leap of faith, uh, cool mm-hmm. shot. But what I really liked about this ending is it, 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 there's plenty of magical thing. He, he saves his father from a bullet wound with a magic cup of water. Um, <laughs> but his big leap of faith is the bridge. Mm-hmm. And the bridge is real. It's a it's a forced perspective painting. Yeah. Um, so Indy's leap of faith is I can't confirm there is solid ground underneath this, but there's a bedtime story. There's a myth. There's all of my experience and intuition telling me there's solid ground if I step forward. Mm-hmm. And I really like that vision of a a leap of faith, of trusting that there's solid ground under the myth. No, well said. And I love it. And, and, and I, I and listen to you describe it. So much of, of um, 
the the belief and, and, and the understanding of, of faith, at least the value of faith, does come from Marcus Brody. And one of the criticisms I see of this movie, especially back in the day when you dig into the reviews, was ah, they bring Brody, Brody back and he's silly. And he's played as dumb, and he has some great comic moments. I think Ben yes. is just just genius in this film. But do not overlook what you're kind of describing. He's the one that's got these quotes. If you want facts, Andy, I've got none to give you. At my age, I'm prepared to take a few things on faith, uh, search of the grail, search of the divine, and all of us. When he's when he when you you you're messing with powers you don't understand. The, 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 there's like the clouds almost crack and lightning almost mm-hmm. crack. He says it, and Elsa Snyder. Is is essentially uh, uh, seeing her future right there. Like he's got some of the best moments that I think are there for that purpose of Indy. He's he's not quite a Gandalf guiding Indy along the way there, but I, I think there's a, that. It's a, such a powerful connection. I watched you two grow up. I watched you grow apart. He, he's there, kind of uh, an angel on the on the shoulder of of Indy in some ways for me. He is absolutely. He's he's a father figure in that that mm-hmm. scene in uh, the father's office early on. It, it it is the the moment where the adventure is truly going to begin, and it's Brody who tells him everything that he's going to need to know to complete the journey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I want to talk about this idea of the academic in the adventure. Are you good with that? Let's do it. Yeah. So this is one of the the, the things that I really liked uh, is that ultimately both of the Doctor Joneses have the academic and the adventure in them, mm. but there's a, a, a tension to uh, how much, how much weight or how much value to put on either and which elements of academic uh, versus is adventure brings them closer together versus uh, brings them farther apart. You and I talked about when we did our first episode of perilous podcast about the overview, that this is one of the things that's most compelling to me about Indiana Jones of mm. this combination of, uh, books and swagger. Uh, I forgot that Lost Crusade, or Last Crusade, makes it pretty explicit uh, about the tension between the academic and the adventure. Okay. Um, I love you. You said a lot of great things in, in the opening of Young Indiana Jones that this is his journey to become who he is and, and to make choices about who he wants to be. And I think there's the fun, um, almost meta. Here, here's how we got all this stuff that you talked about mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm audiences were much more entertained, I think, by the meta of like, that's funny because we know that those are all of his defining characteristics. And it's fun and funny that he got them within one half an hour, (laughs) one afternoon. Used to be funny to us. Now it is hated. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Uh, We didn't ask for this. Yep. Times change. Times Mm -hmm. change. So I, I think there's all these great fun jokes there. Um, but I, but I think to me, one of the most important parts is we see Indy rejected by his explicitly academic father, Mm -hmm. his father who is studying, can't be bothered to look up from a book who only is valuing Indy based on, uh, young Indy's academic prowess. Uh, I forget what language he tells him to count to 10 in. Is it Greek? Um, Latin, I can't remember. Yeah. Greek or Latin, but he tells him to count it in another language and we certainly we learned something about Indy and that, that he's been on this journey but everything about that rejection from his father is coded as academic mm-hmm. and um, Indy immediately turns to uh, a, a character a figure that is a rival uh, mm-hmm. a, a, a raider even of the cross of Coronado mm-hmm. what is this figure of who he could become mm-hmm. uh an adventurer, the opposite of his father, the opposite of academic. 
And I think the way that uh, Fedora Man, who uh, uh, the indie wiki tells me his real name is Garth, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the way Garth puts that that hat on him isn't just a, and that's how he got the hat. It it loads the fedora with even more meaning. Mm-hmm. And I think the iconography of India has always been important, the way he's introduced, how important the whip is, the, the hat, the silhouette. Mm. And the hat has always been the, well, I you know, I, I'm an academic and I put on glasses and I, I teach uh, and go to the library, but then I put on the hat. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a, it's adventure time. So it's already been coded that way. Mm. Um, but I think the film goes out of its way to, to code it even more as this is a symbol of I took a path to find my own identity. The mm. academic side of me is aligned with my father. But here's this side of me that my father doesn't understand and can't do. Yeah. And therefore can't judge me or be better than me at. Um, yeah, it's, it's my other half of it, yeah. it's the other half of his identity. That fedora is the path away from Mm-hmm. his his father and i think the fedora gets even more uh, spielbergian love shots in this film all the way to rolling back to him at the end of the tank chase when yeah yeah his father's kind of in on the adventure but also doesn't quite understand how painful it is and what he just went through <laughs> like the, <laughs> while he's sitting around and the hat rolling back to him of like yeah. you still got to be the adventurer um and i think it's it's uh, great that the film sets up so much of the iconography of the difference between the academic and the adventurer. And I, I really forgot that when when Henry Jones Sr. shows up, that he's got that contrasting iconography. Mm. That he's got a hat, but it's not a fedora. It's a twee bucket hat. And yeah. Yeah. He, he he doesn't have a gun and a whip. He has a briefcase and an umbrella. That stuff is so beautiful to just really tease out the the contrast and this tension of how much of of India's academic versus adventurer? Who does he truly want to be? Yeah, and, and this is the this is wonderful stuff, by the way. He especially with that hat. I think I think uh, I don't want to get too grumpy about uh, movie going audiences these days, but it, when that kind of stuff's done with great purpose, it, it's really powerful. And I think I think the opening sequence is for many reasons. Um, but I I love even we're talking. About, I'm going to boil it down to simple simple as I can. Like and anytime. Uh, you know, Henry Sr. does something action-based, right? It always comes back to some knowledge. I remember my Charlemagne. Uh, even mm-hmm. even the thing that Henry, Henry, the pen is mightier than the sword. Like all that <laughs> stuff is great humor. But I think it's all into that as well, where it's a it's a combination, or or it's how he it's how he gets to the action point, you know. And and I love all that. And yes, tying it down to uh, tying it back to. Uh, this is what Indy could have. This was this is what he could own for himself. This is what he could control. His look, his image, his his feeling. It's it's like dad showed up at work and dad gets to see what I do and uh, you know, can't fully understand it or can't do it. I like that. Yeah, like the, there's this feeling when they first come together that Indy was he was never gonna be a good enough academic for his father. Yeah. His father was always gonna correct him. Because his father is of the era and the proclivity that that's good parenting to uh, force them to study, 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 and correct them when they're wrong. Uh, yeah. And so I love that when they first come together, there's this, this, this childlike sense from India of like, he's, he, my adventuring skills are going to impress him. And yeah, some great comedy bits where sometimes, yes, other times, no, not at all, not at all. But as the film goes on, I, I love that they begin to take turns impressing one another yeah. with their skills as academic and adventurer. It, yeah. This isn't a film where it's like Wayne uh, ultimately me which which is better i think it is mm-hmm. about 
them both uh, impressing one another. Uh, you know, the way Indy says he's an academic, a bookworm, he's not a field man compared to the great bird umbrella trick. And I suddenly remembered my, my Charlemagne, the, mm-hmm. um, uh, there's a lot to discuss about the whole uh, sexual encounter, but the shared vitality of the sexual encounter, I would mm-hmm. say, is, you know, uh, the adventuring side of things. It's the intersection. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, the intersection. But I love that it all builds to once they have got to a point where they realize that one another is is the treasure. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, I think Henry Sr. has that moment, you know, when he thinks Indy's died and, and yeah. I just would have needed five minutes to tell him everything. And, uh, mm-hmm. from Indy's side when his father's laying there, they're shot. They are, they, they know that, that one another is the real treasure. Yeah. And there's, then there's this great synergy of academic and adventurer as Indy goes through the trials. Uh, oh. it, it's this balance of knowledge and intuitive action that gets him mm-hmm. to the, to the cup. And, uh, you know, th- I, I just think that there's, um, there's a, a beauty in that they are aligned and I love the way it's cut where uh, Henry senior is, is whispering the clues mm-hmm. as he found them, the academic, he found those clues. And now India is taking those clues, that knowledge, and he is turning it into action. It's academic and adventure. And I love it. I absolutely love that. And I love some of the stuff at the end too, towards the, as, as it picks up where, where, um, where senior uh, has those actual, just pure joy smile moments of this is fun. <laughs> <laughs> he that. gets into the spirit of things. Yeah. At first he's not sure about all this yeah, violence, yeah. but then he really gets into the spirit of it and, yeah. you know, is, is yeah. happy to be involved. Yeah. Um, I think I have no idea if this was intentional or not, but it is, it's interesting that Indy's in his, his adventurer mode with the leather jacket and the hat and the whip, but the, he's got the tie on the whole time, which is a right. little bit more of the academic, which is a slightly different look. Yeah, no, I'm glad you pointed that. I, I definitely could throw it in that theme bucket, but uh, I was having fun with that one today. I've just really, you know, it's it's like the old, what Han Solo jacket do you like better? It's like, this is a different uh, Indian in, in the end. A little, more, yeah. a little more buttoned up. A little more buttoned up. Yep. He's in front of his father. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think that there are, there are beats throughout the film that that uh, are fun little sub themes, running jokes that uh, celebrate uh, the academic and the adventurer. I, I think the value of knowledge is is throughout, but I think really driven home by the the book burning by the the yeah. uh, by Elsa's uh, tears. Uh, the maybe you learn something by reading books, not burning them. Is it, it's it, there's really this like anger about like. Facts do matter. Knowledge does matter. Mm-hmm. That courses through the film with the the Nazi stuff that feels a little bit more real and visceral. Uh, very real, very visceral, and 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 still still apt. Uh, yeah, I agree with that there. And, and even even this the whole search for this beginning in a, in a, a converted church, yes, but a library, uh, a home of knowledge, a home of knowledge. Yeah, the other little uh, kind of adventurer uh, joke that I love that that runs throughout is. This idea of who knows where they are. Uh, Kid Indy says, everybody's lost but me. Um, Elsa says, you're a great deal like your father. (laughs) He says, except he's lost and I'm not. Uh, Mm -hmm. The jokes about Marcus always getting lost in his own library. There's this, um, Mm -hmm. this, if there's a valuing of academic with all of the the knowledge stuff, there's a value value of being an adventurer in the physical world who knows which way is north. Mm. Yeah, or the the clock. 
Um, no, I think I, I absolutely agree with that. And, and, and it's, it's, oh yeah. Uh, the, yeah. The, 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 the pointing out the clock. <laughs> I mean, it's a great, it, it's because it's such a great comedy, but <laughs> which we'll have a probably long list of comedy act moments. Yeah. And I, I love that indie moment too. Uh, you know, everyone's lost, but me, uh, and the, again, search for identity, search for who you are, knowing, knowing who you are. And, and, uh, I think I'm going to, you know, Donovan's made his choice. Elsa keeps having the chance to pull back. Right. Keep them mm-hmm. a, a chance to get back on the path, and, and she still re- remains lost, and, and I think that's key. Uh, absolutely. Any other big picture ideas that you wanted to share? No, it's interesting though. Uh, we're having this discussion about this movie and going in deep on what is there, what we're pulling from it, and I was looking at all the reviews from back in the day. Here's wow. the one, here's the one from the Washington Post reviewed. Um, they reviewed it twice. I'm reading from Wikipedia. If anyone's look for themselves. Hal Hinson uh, reviewed on the day the film's release. His review was negative, describing it as, quote, nearly all chases and dull exposition. Although he praised Ford and Connery, he felt the film's exploration of Jones' character took away his mystery and that Spielberg should not have tried to mature his storytelling. That's (laughs) insanity to me. That's insanity. Sorry, Mr. Hinson. Uh, and Everybody has a right to an opinion, and some people get to write them down. <laughs> it, it's like running into someone who's like, ah, they never should have taken Boba Boba Fett's helmet off. I get it, but why wouldn't you want to describe what's uh, you know find out what's under there? I don't know. Uh, this is this is uh, I was fat. I was blown away by that. As we were going to go in our discussion of, I'm like, gosh, there's so much in here, and yes, all chases. And by the way, I'll put a pin in the dull exposition. I love the exposition exposition scenes in this film. Uh, it's just crazy. It's just crazy. But all that stuff's there, and I'm glad Spielberg matured. Yeah, well, in, in the, to me, the exposition isn't like, um, like even, even Star Wars, which where I think it's handled well. The, the The Last Jedi hailed as is one of the deepest Star Wars films, and I agree with it. Like, but you, you got some exposition about exactly how their the First Order is tracking them, and you you, you got to get through the techno babble. I love Doctor Who and Star Trek, but there's some exposition that's techno babble. Mm-hmm. Um, there's every bit of exposition that that scene with Donovan and in Indy when he first hires him is loaded with meaning. It's great. So great. Yeah. Did Hal Hinson go back and see it again? You said there were two. Uh, uh, no, someone else. Let's see. I'll bring it up here on the a couple of days later. Dessa Thompson, Desson Thompson, excuse me. Um, published a positive review praising the film's adventure and action as well as the father son relations relationships thematic depth so there you go there you go uh <laughs> that's uh that's well yeah, well you know what that's uh, sorry this is uh, this is wow what we always say about what you take in there uh uh d-e-s-s-o-n Desan patrick thompson former speech writer for the obama administration and former film critic for the washington post he was known as Desan howe until 2003 when he changed his name after uniting with his birth father so there's someone who's like, oh, I see some things in this film that mean something to me. <laughs> yep. Yep. And uh, with the uh, the previous review, it's um, it, it is a forever challenge of my life that I just always have to accept that I love storytelling. If it's it wants to be pulpy, if it wants to be comedic and then also have ideas that there's just always going to be some people that anything other than this is a drama and every moment is telling you it's a drama are just not going to be willing to look under the hood. Yeah. And, and sometimes not under the hood. Sometimes the paint job of the car. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Fascinating detour, but that's all I wanted to, I thought that was a good way to wrap up our deep theme discussion. That is great. I, I love our new, uh, looking back at old review center. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we always been uh we've always been you know for the four episodes of this we've done we've talked about the meaning of the title what's there for you in the last crusade yeah, you, you know there's so many there's so many surface level ways to look at obviously the ties tied to the crusades this being thought thought to be the last movie but um, I think the search for purpose and the search for identity and and um, just the way forward it's kind of one of the last frontiers for all of us that we have to face as we grow up and and you still have to face it it's there to the very end so uh, I, I I chose to go that way um, that of all the adventuring and all the searching he's got a lot more to come even if we never got another movie we got to assume Indy didn't retire after this um, a lot more to come but this was kind of one of the final final frontiers of his soul for me at this point yeah. as well no, I really agree with you. There's the explicit that all of all of this uh, was started with these knights from the first crusade. So this is the the last crusade, uh, the end of the trilogy, which, which is funny. Like, uh, <laughs> which one was the last uh, last crusade? Well, it's it's right in the middle of the the five films. <laughs> um, but yeah, but I think the in in some ways it's it's like you know this is like nothing you've ever gone after before. Quote uh, mm-hmm. as a title of like yeah, what what is the what is the deepest quest? Which is yeah. Uh, Re- restoring his his relationship with his his father and his his willingness to uh take a leap of faith all right uh if you are listening on patreon uh i'm gonna say we're gonna take a quick break but then we're just gonna keep talking if you're listening after we release this to the public there'll be an actual break here so we will be back in a moment a lot can happen in three years like a chat bot maybe your new best friend but what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? 
For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. All right. We're back. Did you have a nice rest, Ken? A long rest. Yeah, I had a big lunch. It was great. <laughs> uh, we always talk about big ideas, but we also love, unlike Hal Hinson, chases. So uh, let's talk about some favorite action moments in this uh, big adventure movie. Uh, where did you go, Ken? Um, sorry, I was still sorry. I had to, I have to get back to my notes. I was still on Wikipedia and, and seeing how they ordered one thousand disease-free gray rats for the catacombs. Um, oh yeah, the behind but, the scenes that there is a, a great, uh, great section about that of Spielberg saying like yeah no we 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 made these rats it's <laughs> amazing um love that anyways i also um had pet rats as a kid so i love rats uh, i would not have had a problem going into that those kind of comes uh all right all right sorry yeah um the opening train se- sequence right we have to start there the opening mm-hmm. the chase and the fight uh, watching that today it's so well constructed it's so well constructed one of my favorite ones i i, I put it in comedy as well but i'll discuss it here is just when Indy's in the house of reptiles and, and there's that, that cut to the wide shot of the car as Indy screams, all that kind of stuff. That's just a wonderful, wonderful set piece and sequence here. Edited the comedy beats, the action, um, the coordination of it. Uh, I really love this sequence. I love, I love everything about the, the river Phoenix stuff. Um, as I said earlier about the identity stuff, but just it's, it's one of the best action sequences in, in the whole franchise. No, I really agree with you. I, I like everything that's going on there, but getting to this the circus train, like we, you watch the film and you just accept that, you know. But remember, somebody had to come up with that of like, okay, we want him kind of in this isolated space. It's the it, 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 this yeah. vast expanse uh, of Western America. Well, we could do a train thing. Trains are cool, and they're a part of the whole tradition. Well, what if it was a circus train? Um, and it takes on even more significance uh, for Spielberg's life. Uh, this is in the Fableman's movie, but he's been talking about it of like his first film experience uh, was a circus movie. And he expected it to be, he didn't understand when his parents told him they were taking him to a circus movie. He just heard circus mm-hmm. and thought mm-hmm. he was going to physically see things, but then was, you know, moved by the magic of film and, you know, and a director is born all that. Um, but it, it, it's so coded in, uh, 
entertainment of old and an adventure of old of going to the circus and seeing things that you couldn't see, seeing these animals that you couldn't see anywhere else. Uh, the fact that Indy uses a magic box, uh, mm. it's, it's really well done action. Uh, but the circus part of it is really, really inspired because it makes for like fun, great gags and a action bits, but it also ties into the, the meaning of the film. Uh, well said. Love that. And Frank Marshall's own uh, Dr. Fantasy uh, kid uh, gimmick that he used to do showing up in the film there, the perfect place for it. all comes together so nicely. Yeah. And I just, yeah, just, I just, I, it's funny. You talked about it, Tom, about, you know, this being my favorite movie to watch often it's because I just want to see this opening, <laughs> but I just want to see this. Yeah. A couple beats in it that I love in particular is the, uh, the swing around the, the flag, you know, right. I don't know the technical train term, uh, apologies to uh, train enthusiasts. Uh, but that's shot so well. And it's, it's mm -hmm. acted so well of that's an indie. I don't know. I'm making this up as I go moment, uh, of figuring out I can grab onto that thing. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, when he's caught in the snake comes out of the sleeve is not so yeah. great. So great. And then they, they use in the, the, the magic box as an actual magic box is also, there's a little bit of like, okay, how did that actually work? Which yeah. reminded me of the beginning of, of temple of doom where there's a great musical number, but then it transitions from the physical space of the, of club will be one to uh, the movie magic of this magical uh, you know, Busby Berkeley number that that is the nature of these films. I've already seen on social media, of course, the discussion mm -hmm. of, you know, what what parts of the trailer <laughs> in the clips of Dial of Destiny are are uh, realism. This series has never been interested in realism. It's been mm -hmm. uh, interested in magic. And this is mm -hmm. another beat that uh, reminds you of that. I agree with that. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah. The other thing I, I uh, like about this train sequence is just a personal experience. The first time I was lucky to see John Williams, uh, I think it was 2018 at the Hollywood Bowl, it was hosted by Steven Spielberg and it was mm. a tribute to John Williams. And one of the things that they did is they showed a section of the train sequence and Spielberg was really funny about it because he, he played it without music. He's like, bear with me. This is going to be awful. It, it's garbage without the music. It it pains me to watch it, but watch this without music. <laughs> and he uh, played it a chunk and he's like, God, ah, we need it with Williams music. It, it, it just is a great demonstration of how much music adds, uh, yeah. not even adds that completes it. That it's, it's incomplete, deeply, deeply, painfully incomplete without the music. It absolutely is. It's crazy. It's crazy. I love that stuff. Yeah. So that was a great moment. Uh, what are some other action moments in the film? Um, jumping ahead, I, I said I love rats. I do love rats, uh, but I don't love rats scrambling into a tomb I just turned over into some petroleum uh, <laughs> while fires erupting. And so the horror of Elsa in the in, in the tomb of the of the night uh, and, and the rats coming in. It's a great little beat moment. It's always been terrifying for me. This one, what I, I the whole sequence is great too, but. Just uh, though I'm always like, oh man, you just flipped over the guy's tomb, but I, well, I guess you got to survive. Um, <laughs> I think it's a great little moment, and, and Allison Duty's so great in this film. Um, uh, was uh, just uh, still going strong. Uh, um, I, I wish she'd gotten into, uh, was able to do Lord of the Rings like uh, she was offered, but oh, she, really? Yeah, she was uh, originally gonna do it, but couldn't get to uh, New Zealand, couldn't commit to that uh, year, year and a half or so. Mm. I mean, really, I think she just had a, a 
uh, one of her uh, children, I think, if I remember the story correctly. But um, yeah, I think she's great in that moment, and I just love that. It's it's it's, it's horror action. Mm. Oh yeah, no, and and uh, yeah, I really like that whole sequence, and it, it is funny to me uh, the beats where the, the the film makes the argument that these objects have value, but sometimes because it's an adventure movie. They- with such disrespect Uh, and you know you can make the argument of like he uh, it was it was that or death you know it wasn't like and he was just like i'm not gonna wear white gloves because i don't wanna uh but it is funny to me later in the film when there's just such reverence and his father's like did you find it you found his tomb he's like there you yeah Yeah. and then i desecrated (laughs) (laughs) and then i dumped this great archaeological historical find into a a bowl full of petroleum Mm -hmm. uh but yeah that one shot in particular that extreme close-up of the rat pulling on elsa's hair is a phenomenal shot Mm -hmm. love it love it yeah in the in the boat sequence there's a ton that's fun in there but the inventiveness of the uh the boats being pushed together and uh Mm. i've got some feelings about it (laughs) All, all the people who uh, the Brotherhood of the Crucifixion Sword who who don't make it, uh, but is an action beat. Uh, the boat being crushed between the two ships is pretty cool. Look, um, they they got a job to perform, right? They're prepared, which is actually in that moment. I I was I, I didn't know where to put this. We we highlighted uh, Kazim before. Uh, Kavork uh, Malikian is uh, the actor. That line, "My soul's prepared, Doctor Jones. How's yours?" Everything about that, the commitment, the intensity, the truth in that line, I think it's one of the key things uh, in, in the building blocks of this movie. Uh, it, it haunts uh, Indy in that moment. It's not just that he needs the information. It's his father. Yes, that's what he's going for. But I think there's a real big truth in that. And it's such a – it's a line that's action itself, but the entire sequence. But that's – I had that thought too of, oh, those, those poor saps die horribly. Uh, <laughs> but I guess their souls were prepared. So. Yep. Yep. Well, we can talk about that more in the in the parts that we questioned or wrestled with. But uh, that was a it was a good action beat. Uh, what are some other moments for you? Um, I went. Where did I go to? I jumped ahead. So weird. This action. Here's the thing. This this movie's got so much action. Um, sometimes I just end up watching it and kind of realize I have to put some beats down on my notes. So I jumped ahead a bit. Uh, to uh, a femme fatale moment of, of Elsa stealing the grail. I love that switch again, mm-hmm. talking Elsa duty as a performer. I love that moment. Uh, um, you know, and it's, and it's also tied into Henry Jones, you know, Dr. Jones, you know, she's a Nazi. She's one of them. Don't believe her. That's going on. But Indy doesn't know that he hasn't, he doesn't, he can't take that leap of faith to trust his father in this moment. He can only mm-hmm. trust what he, what he, what he has uh, in this case, literally touched, which is uh, Dr. Elsa Snyder. <laughs> and uh, I, I walked into that. And I didn't mean that, but um, mean it like that, but yeah. Uh, and I, but I love the flip, the flip. I love <laughs> her, the, the switch in her eyes, her face um, uh, and, and reaching in and pulling out the, uh, the grail diary. So I think I said stole the grail earlier, but the grail diary. Uh, yeah. I, I love that moment. It's, it's, it's a great, great little, uh, great little beat. Yeah. Uh, no, no, that, that scene is powerful. And in particularly after the shocking violence of, uh, of mowing down uh, the Nazis mm-hmm. with <laughs> the full on machine gun <laughs> and, uh, and dad just being kind of shocked. Um, I really like uh, the motorcycle chase where they're in, uh, mm-hmm. in the sidecar. It, it, there's so much in this film uh, everything I love the film, but it just it ignites when they come together, mm-hmm. um, and especially the early stuff where they're in tension and and there is that there's such great tension between the academic and the adventurer and whether or not Dad's going to be impressed. Um, but the 
the father kind of tagging along in a sidecar is such a funny image. Uh, in the the joust move is it's it's so great to see uh, these cool adventure moves through somebody else's eyes. It it brings them back to reality just a little bit of like that was violent. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it, and it makes the action more exciting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> man, damn. Yep, but I love the joust move that uh, that's, that's so weird and fun and inventive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, that flip is one of my favorite moments too. Just it's so speeder, all it's all speeder bikey to me too. Yeah, same, same energy. So like, yep, yeah, and I hadn't known. I learned this from the behind the scenes documentary that they added that later because they thought they needed a little bit more action, and they shot it uh, near uh, near the the Lucasfilm mm. uh, compound there. That and that's uh, you know part Dagobah for a little bit, right? And and then uh, Luke uh, Luke burning Vader. You should do a, You should just do a tour around this guy. <laughs> See which things have been burned or jousted there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are some other beats for you? Uh, I do love the uh, the whole uh, it's, again bigger secrets, but the fire pit escape in uh, when they're trapped. Um, just the the comedy of it is is amazing, but. Uh, putting that together and, and just, I've always, I'm always in my head. I always think of like, okay, if I was in that situation tied to a chair with my dad and there's fun, how do I get out? Like, how do you figure this out? In fact, that Indy, uh, who always makes it up as he goes along is able to find a way out, uh, even by accident. Um, uh, I just always love that sequence. I love the flip around of, again, the comedy's great. I uh, mm-hmm. admired uh, Mindy Sterling's character for sure. And in the Austin Powers series that, uh, the German officer there, um, mm-hmm. Um, the bullets when they fire in the bullets and they f- shoot they bounce off the uh, the fireplace love it yeah no that that whole thing is is great and <laughs> and again not realism the way that one little lighter lights that entire place up so quickly you know <laughs> I was thinking that today I was like I can't start a fire pit fire in my backyard with a lighter <laughs> like just you're just yeah, uh, the, the this is why uh, you know when you get, you actually get a permit for filming this, these days, and you're going to use fire, you need to prove uh, that the things you're using are coated against flames. Because I guess this is how easy it is for an entire room <laughs> yeah. to light up from one Zippo. Um, I, I'm sure we'll talk about it in in comedy as well, but just as an action move, the inventiveness of it, the uh, using the um, umbrella to f- fly the birds into the plane, it's mm-hmm. just. It, it it's just a it's a great action move and i love that it is it is an action move and it is it is it is it like has a good relationship to uh the famous joke in in raiders where i'm not gonna have a long involved fight with you i'm just gonna shoot you because like ah mm-hmm. there's a simpler answer right in front of us yeah yeah now look I'll, you know sacrificing birds not my first choice but again life or death i'll do it <laughs> <laughs> nope uh, from there, I just went to the big tank chase. There's a yeah. there's a ton in there. Uh, but uh, anything before we get to the tank chase? Uh, there's so much energy in it. Uh, just I love love the momentum of that sequence once it really gets going. Um, um, and by the way, did you know I did? This is one of the ones I did. I know Nick Gillard is in that tank. Oh yeah, I knew. I've known I, that one for a while because I was obsessed with Nick Gillard and all the yeah. behind the scenes stuff in, in the prequels. Uh, there was you know, the time on the starwars.com website where they were releasing those, those previews building up the film. And I, every time I could hear a single word out of Nick Lard's mouth, 
Uh, I was obsessed with that man. <laughs> didn't know it. Didn't know it. And uh, is is the uh, Periscope uh, looking guy. Um, yeah, I, my favorite. So I was trying to think, what's my favorite part of that sequence over the years that I've always enjoyed? And it's plugging up the tank side gun. He puts that mm. rock in there. I've just always loved that. Ingenious. Ingenious. Would it really work? I don't know. I don't need anyone from uh, Mythbusters to prove it. I just want to <laughs> just want to know. Uh, just yeah. Want, I just want to do it, I should say. There, there's a ton of great moments, but the one that really spoke to me is the leap from the horse to the tank. Uh, Which was an award-winning move, so yes. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, that, yeah. And, it, and it makes sense. It's total death-defying type of shot that's normally two shots. It's normally a leap and a land. Um, yeah. So to have it in one, and there's that, the, the way the stunt person's arms like flail a bit, uh, mm-hmm. it's it almost like <laughs> not full yeah. on comic bird flapping, but there's a flail to the like, hey, am I going to make it? You know, it's, <laughs> completely. It's so powerful. Yeah. I would not have known that off, off the top of my head to be clear. I've been doing research this week. It's Vic Armstrong and, and, um, and yeah, he won some sort of uh stunt award for it. So it's great. As, as well, he should as mm-hmm. well. He should. Uh, I also did like the bullet through three Nazis. It's, it was, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a great, you know, violent, horrible, funny image. Yeah. Well, I just, just that's quintessential indie right there with the shrug and the, well, all right. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't know way. these had it. Yeah. I didn't know these had it in them. And, mm-hmm. and I do like, uh, we were talking about when uh, Dr. Henry Jones senior starts to get into the action. And, and I mm-hmm. like that he, his anger is being riled up and now he's seen his son do this and now he's, he's ready to fight. And I really like the ink squirt and the, and the yeah. getting the gun and everything. Yeah, I agree with that. It, it goes beyond just the joy too. There is that, uh, that's present, but yeah, great purpose behind it. Yeah. All right. Should we do it? Should we get into comedy and see how long this takes us? Yeah. Yeah. Let's, <laughs> let's do this. I will say oh, one thing. I have one final one. When you see the first, see the breath of God, um, that terrified me in the theater. I thought it. Oh, I thought it was real. <laughs> oh, yeah, understandably, and just like the actual horror of how many people are they going to send mm-hmm. in there to just well, just keep trying, and heads are going to keep rolling out. What are you going to do? It's yeah. pretty awful. Yeah. Pretty anyways, awful. always love that that bit. But anyways, I think um, I, yeah, I think I've seen people make this joke, and it is funny to me that there's this great. Uh, logic uh, and intuition to the penitent man Neil's like okay but is the penitent man also roll forward <laughs> yes correct <laughs> I, yes yeah you just I think by that time when you kneel you're in an enlightened state so you, you you feel the threat you sense it yeah but I do like the idea of, I is it is a kid I, I think I would have been more excited about going to church if we kneel and action roll <laughs> kneel and dive Neil and Dive. Uh, all right, let's get into comedy. Uh, there, I, I stopped, I, I got real choosy after a while because this yeah, yeah. is a deeply funny film and I feel like almost every one of Sean Connery's lines and almost every one of Brody's uh, individual frames of film are hilarious. Yes. Yes. Well, yeah, yeah. No, it's so funny you say that because... Uh, um uh, I was when I was watching it this morning before the show. Uh, was at the, the the tank scene where, where Indy crashes, and and Grace uh, came home and she just stared at the screen and she starts laughing and she's laughing at, at Denholm Elliott just not even doing anything, just just reacting to the crash, just <laughs> reacting to Indy coming back. He's just every frame. You're right, it's beautiful. Yeah, and and, and he does he does play that dramatic role, the important role early on, um, mm-hmm. and then when he gets out into the field, just so damn 
deep yeah. in his bones, naturally funny. Yes. Uh, anyway, uh, so I definitely have some Brody moments, but didn't write down every single one. Um, I'm, I'm going to start with the whip crack to the chin. Um, yeah, like that, it. that to me is it, it, it is a joke that, uh, is maybe, maybe what the answer is, is that, uh, the, the meta joke of, we're going to explain where something that you, the audience know came from, um, the, the textual, we all know that Harrison Ford has the scar. So this is how he gets the, the yeah, scar that Harrison Ford really has to me is, is funny. Um, I think it is just one of those jokes that is probably in the category of been done too much. So now people are really hostile towards it. Yeah. I think that's a fair way to look at it. I don't want to come, come off as angry against modern audiences, but sometimes <laughs> I am, but I, I, my reaction to the theater was, was, Oh, that's how he got it. Like that. That's all I did. That's, that's all I said. I laughed and went, Oh, great. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's legitimately funny to me. It's a, it's a contrast of, uh, of the, what the audience really knows in the fiction of the movie. So that's where I start with, uh, that bit of hilarious comedy, uh, a, a young man permanently scarring himself. Uh, where do you go for comedy? <laughs> I, 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 I'll skip a f- couple we already discussed from that sequence and other things, but uh, I, I'll go right to the banter of the old school um, Hollywood picture banter between Elsa and, and, and Indiana when they first meet in Venice. Uh, I love her line that looks like the best parts have already been spoken for. And I love Brody in that kind of being like, all right, okay, we, we got some stuff we're doing here. I, 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 I love the energy of that. Yeah, and it is, it's an interesting uh, development, not a development. I'm so fascinated by the trajectory of of Indy as romantic figure, because clearly Mm -hmm. uh, with everything they're pulling from, there's always a romance, but the first one starts off so deep and so sincere, sincere, and it is, it's about a deep connection. Mm -hmm. Um, And like we've talked about in Raiders, he's too tired and beat up to you know mm-hmm. make it too physical um and then <laughs> in in temple and in last crusade you just have to accept well a, a part of indy's character is he's a horn dog uh, that he, <laughs> that he he uh he, yep. he finds great satisfaction and in, yep. in great physical beauty and connection um and <laughs> it's not explored too much it's i think kind of an inheritance from the james bond thing but yeah. you know yeah the roots of the James Bond thing in, in literature is like, I'm going to die tomorrow every day. That's my entire life. And I am hungry mm. to feel alive mm. in this, the, the sexuality and the, the, you know, um, womanizing is, is from an explicit perspective of please make me feel alive for five minutes. Right. Um, and we, we don't really get explicitly in the films what indie what in indie soul is being fulfilled it's just mm. <laughs> it's just almost cartoon like wolf yeah. <laughs> yeah. eyes pop out tongue rolls down uh the lines and the flowers come out and here we go <laughs> yeah and, and that's what I, clearly one of the big differences between uh, this and and uh, raiders along with temple right and, and, and i and i wonder too if, if you were to again the old make these movie now things it wouldn't um that maybe marion would have been just been around you know, maybe they would have explored it a little differently. I don't know, but they definitely turned it into, it, it became a, like I said, the Bond thing indeed, but just, this is how you made a movie. You, you had a leading man, you had a lady and uh, they, they did the smooching and we went, went on with it, kids. Yeah. It was, <laughs> they, they did the banter and the smooching. Yep. 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 
But I like how I, I, I love that you pointed it out because I, I think it is very funny because it's just so like, okay, here we go. Let's yeah. do we're we're doing this. Um and I I do really like that that she is super into it. The the Austrian yeah. uh, goodbye, the German goodbye is is a funny beat, but I do like that she seems like I'm really legitimately that was really great and I'm super into this and it's too oh, bad. From from the catacombs watching him with the lip bite, you know, she's she's there. Yeah. The, yeah. Both of them are enjoying life at that moment. Yep. Exactly. Um I'm I'm gonna go back even a little farther. Uh, you mentioned the line and it, it's an important line thematically. Uh, but I do like his his classroom line of if it's truth you're interested in, Dr. Tyre's philosophy class is right down the hall. Mm-hmm. Um I, I paused to write that down and I was laughing. Uh, I think it's legitimately funny. G- good joke, uh, Professor Jones, Dr. Jones. Um, and then I was so happy when I, uh, I turned the film back on and he actually did get a laugh from the class because he deserved it. He deserved well it. <laughs> Well-earned laugh. And the best thing is he probably says that at every every semester. It's probably yeah. fine, yeah. 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 Uh, but it also, I love how grumpy is about it of like, that's not what we're mm-hmm. discussing. I think maybe it, it hits for me because, uh, in my liberal arts journey, um, I've had some philosophy classes and some classes that are not supposed to be philosophy classes, uh, where some students want to disappear the conversation into a rabbit hole of a very philosophical question of truth. And, it those conversations often ended up being somebody being kind of smug because they think they've broken through by proving you can't prove anything like hmm. cool cool great so it, it there, there was a grumpiness in indie that i've actually seen in some professors of like we don't discuss that in this class yeah, <laughs> yeah. uh the also the kids clamoring at the window of his office like they're at a beatles concert is funny Oh, yeah, exploding out the I love you moment from Raiders into this. It makes perfect sense. I love that. Yeah, and that it's that it, it's almost like uh, the students, obviously, uh, he's been away and they need things. Mm. But it's it's not just like women fawning over him. All the guys are there, too. And maybe mm. some of the guys are fawning over him. But it's almost like um, more like everybody's just uh, magnetically drawn to the charm of him. <laughs> Like, and it's not all, it's not necessarily sexual. It's just yeah. <laughs> charm. And also he needs to answer my question. Yeah. So, yeah. I yeah. love that. Yeah. Love that. Love that. What are some other moments for you? Uh, I, so going to, uh, back to, to Venice here, um, I have always loved, it's, it's one that as a kid, you're going to laugh a little, maybe harder, but the librarian stamp bit uh, mm-hmm. always worked for me. It's so well played. Great performer that Einstein looking librarian there. <laughs> I love, I've always loved that bit. It were it still works for me. Yeah, no, it, it that's one of those moments of like, well, Indy's doing what he has to do. He's desperate to find his father. Mm-hmm. The, the being in this beautiful museum church, <laughs> yeah. smashing it with a stanchion is is painful to me. Uh, it, and it's made much better by that great library stamp gag. Yeah, yeah, just to like, all right, uh, well, you know, it, it's it's meta in a way of like he couldn't get away with this. How is he going to get away with it? And that's that's how they pull it off. Love it. Yep. Yep, I do. This is one where I also think maybe modern audiences wouldn't be on board of it with it. Mm-hmm. It's too referential, but passing the the image of the Ark of Covenant and her going, are you, are you sure? Yeah, pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I love this great Harrison Ford underplayed delivery of, you know, you as the audience member just flashed to just all of the hell he went through. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, No, it it reminds me of some of those like um, uh, Twitter battles you see where, you know, some jerk comes at someone correcting them about like, you know, rocket scientist science. Mm -hmm. And they're like, I actually, I I am a rocket scientist. (laughs) Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. Great stuff there. Um, one other Venice thing for me, I really like the Venice through line. It's a, it's a kind of different kind of comedy beat of uh, the number of times that, you know, Indy goes to interesting, fascinating, but dangerous, remote, hard to physically exist in places a lot, you know, jungles Mm -hmm. and deserts. (laughs) And I love that. He's got this like, ah, Venice. Yeah. I could just be sitting here having, having a, a cup of espresso <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's yeah. such a fun through line i love my favorite one is when he emerges uh from the catacombs in the cafe <laughs> just covered in <laughs> so petroleum and rats and just ah oh, that is just so great it's a great contrast between the world that he operates in and and mm-hmm. the class of venice for sure love that uh where do you go from from venice i go to uh the uh Skendron, uh, right? Uh, that is the ancient city of Alexandria. But uh, when Sala meets Brody, that whole sequence, number one, I love Sala. Having him around is always great. But the, trying to protect Brody and that, that the, the, from, from the, 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 the Nazi dipping his head and Brody dipping, a, <laughs> dipping his head back to papers. Yes, yes, I was just reading the papers. And that run, yes, run. What, what, are you saying run? <laughs> that is just perfect comedy for me. Uh, gets me every time. Yeah, the the Brody, uh, the cut to Brody, the the big buildup of the indie overselling Brody's yes. ability to escape, and I like that we clarify later that that he was overselling it on on purpose because otherwise it would maybe feel a little heavy handed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we, the audience, don't necessarily know that element of Brody, so yeah. I think yet, so it's believable that maybe he is this seasoned of a world traveler's thick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the cut to him wandering and maybe this is a famous line that that people know i'd never heard the no no water fish make love in it <laughs> i'd never heard fish make love in it before and oh oh my lord is that funny that's hilarious right oh god brody Surprised. Yeah, love that yeah, I, I, yeah and wait i think it's always worked for me because you know walter donovan sells it for me because he's kind of he stops and turns around, right? Like, like, cause they don't, they, they're like, oh, Brody sticks out like a sore thumb and, and, and Indy's, uh, you know, just intensity with it. I, I always think Walter Donovan sells that joke well because he's like, well, well, wait a minute. What do I know? I don't know this about Brody. Oh, crap. I mean, <laughs> fish make love. So easy. Yeah. Uh, going back to a little bit um, earlier in the, in the, the initial interactions yeah. between Indy and his father. Um, again, I'm trying to be real selective, but, uh, I really like, I should have mailed it to the Marx brothers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> One of the first time that he's angry, uh, I don't know, you know, uh, how much you've watched the Marx brothers films. I love the Marx brothers films. They were, they were, um, very instructive to me as I was, uh, starting comedy and particularly, mm-hmm. uh, those films are such a marriage of rapid fire verbal comedy with yeah. heightened bizarre physical comedy combining with that uh with the fact that you know that you know it's basically like saying i should have uh you know mailed it to will ferrell now yeah. like they're th- yeah. th- this is their moment that's not it's a modern reference given yeah. the date of the 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 films occurring in is i love that 
Yeah, I, I always loved it because uh, around this time, maybe a couple years prior to this, my parents had, I don't know what happened. They purchased a ton of VHS tapes that were all Marx Brothers and Laurel and Hardy. And like, we used to want mm. them all. And that would just be like a Saturday afternoon, I'd put on a Laurel and Hardy picture or something like that. And um, and Marx Brothers. And then we had some friends of the family, like one of those, you know, they'd come over to our house. We'd go over to theirs type of uh, childhood family friends type of thing. And uh, and all the adults would, we'd put in Marx Brothers stuff and laugh and watch. And the adults would laugh at things we didn't get. But I, so when, when Sean Connery says that, I was so happy. I, I just, I had the reference. Didn't need to explain <laughs> it. Didn't need an older person to explain what it was. I got it. That's so great. And, and there's, there's, there's a lot in Marx Brothers that's, that's quite subversive, mm-hmm. uh, which is, which is funny, um, given what I know about your, your mm-hmm. He-Man concerned parents. Yes, it's uh, funny what they miss. But anyways. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, the, the she talks in her sleep revelation is, it, that's funny by itself, but the extreme long, awkward glances and take. Like th- that <laughs> right there is is the magic of the film. And, and mm-hmm. to me, like why it is the best film in terms of the comedy. Yeah, of, yeah, yeah. That's, that's the kind of thing of like, both those actors are in it uh and mm-hmm. being playful you, you you don't you don't get that unless the actors are really being playful and seeing like how long can we extend this beat like somebody just doing a pat version of this would be the double take from indy and then kind of like a, a whimsical shrug <laughs> yeah from the father and it'd be this pat joke instead it's this just like long amount of processing and are we going to talk about this and layer after layer of of comedy yeah. no i love it and and before anyone out there tweets us yes this is a, an ad lib from conry that decided to put in but that doesn't necessarily mean that this is the exact take uh they could have found something else with it but i, I so it just adds to the legend of, of the moment that, that's actors like i said playing actors being in the character being in the moment love everything about it and it's a great reveal and this was supposed to be revealed later on and that that I'm glad that doesn't happen. It, it needs to happen right here. No, it's great because it sets up their those this weird tension in their in their relationship of mm-hmm. um, yeah. Uh, what are some other moments for you? I uh, jump into yeah. We are kind of jumping around a little bit even right right before this uh, uh, tapestries and just saying it in a bad uh, accent uh, is a long running bit for me and some of my friends. Like just one of those, like you could, I could text them now be and say like, I'm here to see the tapestries and, and they'd respond in kind. Uh, so I've always loved that bit. And, that, and that's, that's again, when a movie comes out at that, at that right time in your life where it just uh, the lines and the beats never leave you. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a funny beat. It's a, a, a little bit broader humor and there's mm-hmm. a lot of pretty big, bold, broad humor throughout Indiana Jones, totally. uh, but that's even more like, cartoonish yeah of there's that great indiana jones i've got an idea i guess that's a han solo line uh but that great like i don't know i'm making this up as i go i see a surprising detail that other people have missed and i pull off something weird yeah yeah (laughs) and it's it's a weird gambit that doesn't work at all Mm, mm. yeah (laughs) i mean i guess it it gets him in the door enough but the guy's not going for it in the slightest and he just has to deck him to how do you feel about that does that make it funnier to you that it's this is like yes. one of indie's improvisations that does not work yeah no absolutely uh, this making them up a uh, go along theme and uh, this is doesn't mean it all uh, flows nicely and and how there was probably a thought when she asked him in the car you know what are you gonna do he's like i don't know and, and you see him kind of look at her outfit but there's probably a brief moment where he's, he's just gonna kick the door down <laughs> 
you know. <laughs> Let's get yeah. back to that. It's funny. Yeah. Uh, I think for me, one of my, it's an action moment, but it's a, but it's more a comedy moment. Uh, one of my very favorite beats is in that uh, motorcycle chase with the sidecar uh, where Indy does these super violent jamming the pole in the wheel and the huge, great action moment of the, the other, the Nazi bike flipping. Mm. And then Indy smiles is <laughs> so pleased with himself. And I love how just unimpressed and yeah. bored the fidgeting with the watch is inspired. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know why you kind of shocking and awful. I don't know why you expect me to be impressed by that. <laughs> Running late. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Love it. Works for uh, other moments for you. Um, I uh, go into, I do love this is how we say goodbye in Germany moment, Dr. Jones. I love mm-hmm. that double punch. Always funny. Uh, there's a, there's a running bit uh, pops up every now and then, uh, definitely on the airplane. And there's a couple of beats before, but the running bit of Dr. Jones messing up, but not admitting it, uh, just kind of, you know, hiding it to Indy, like, like son, they got us. There's, there's a lot of that, uh, that pops up. <laughs> that, when, he, when he lights, you know, the floor's on fire. He does not say I lit the floor on fire. Uh, the floor's on fire. I just, I just love that popping up. Yeah, no, and and that is what's so fun about this. Uh, of it, it, it is this. They both sort of want to prove something to one another and don't want to admit their weaknesses or be seen with weaknesses. And yeah, the, the mowing down the tail is is great. And then they got us. <laughs> Love that, dude. Um, Hitler signing the book is uh, it's a tension beat, um, but it is to me, it's a, a, a joke. Mm-hmm. I, I, I knew about that beat before I saw the film. I think my brother must have come home and told me about it. <laughs> was, was was it in a trailer? I, that's I was going to make it. It might have been in the commercials for the trailer. Yeah, yeah. That's how I knew it. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I, I think it's a great comedy beat amidst the, the true horror of what's going on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and um, one of those, a tote, Ronald Lacey, uh, is uh, Heinrich Himmler in, in the background there. Uh, oh that. yeah it, it, it's 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 he's there for a second there's one shot he's right behind hitler as they're walking up to uh to indiana jones so funny little uh, cameo there but i love that and of course admiral ozzel there he is uh yeah my, what michael sheard playing him yep. so, um love that beat as well yeah 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 and, and he does a he does a great job in a big role for michael sheard yeah um final final joke for me is i think the why are you sitting there resting when we're so near the end is <laughs> hilarious from the perspective of this renewed vigor and vitality that uh, Henry Jones Sr. has. <laughs> and then I think it benefits from the audience's relationship with India knowing how much this kind of action takes out of him, that he is a, yeah. a, a li- he's, he's an action hero that gets wounded going back to Raiders of the old God damn it, Indy, where doesn't it hurt? Yep. And knowing that he's just in horrific pain. <laughs> I really, really agree with that. It's, it's, it's one of the things that makes Indy so relatable. You know, we think we can do this. He's hurt. We're hurt like him too. Shows up. Yeah. And it also feels like there's a meta element too of like uh, almost a filmmaker's joke of like, don't slow down the pacing at the end. Almost like it's kind of thumbing, uh, thumbing their nose at a network or studio mm. note. Right, of, right. Cut out that beat. It's too near the end. <laughs> <laughs> so funny yeah could be yeah any other comedy moments for you uh two i want to discuss you're right we we do um you know, classic ones no tickets great all that kind of stuff I, oh, also I, I forgot they use that bust of hitler to trap the nazis in the burning room there in the escape mm. I, I love that it'll be yep very swilbergian um the two, two moments uh that are just so 
one's absurd. I love the Nazi pilot where he goes into the tunnel and his plane's going past their car. And the way he just stares at their car, (laughs) just one of my favorite awkward comedy beats. I love that beat. Um, So that's good. Then my final one is Salah, man, Jonathan Reese Davies. That car belonged to my brother in law. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he tries to get the camels to pay him back, blah, blah, blah. But I just, that's a great read of that joke. I love that. Yeah, it's it's a very funny joke, and there's so much going on, and and I'm glad that Saul is back, but we don't get to spend as much time with him, and mm-hmm. and he is a little bit of a mentor figure and a figure of wisdom in Raiders, and and that is not needed uh, yeah. in this film, uh, in this moment. Um, but I, it so connects back to Saul being like, "Oh, Andy, I'll help you do all your wild, bonkers stuff you got to do, but I got mouths to feed. I got a family. I got a life. You know, it, it ties into that. Uh, yeah, no, it, it's um, such a character moment. It's it's comedy from, a, a you know, something real, it, it, but it just, there's so much going on. The, the brotherhood's attacking, the tanks fire. Log to my brother-in-law. Like, that's, I love that stuff. Yeah, absolutely great. Uh, we could list comedy moments for longer than the film itself. Yeah. So we're going to move on. Is there anything that you struggle with or question in this film? And, not a big way. Obviously, there's so much joy for it. And, and there's perhaps a little bit of the, uh, you know, youthful goggles on sometimes. But um, I said some stuff earlier, like, like it's definitely, um, you know, late 80s. And it, and it feels that way. I think there's, um, I get years later i can understand why what people are like hey it was just you know uh, you could write this off as a retread of the first one i don't think that's accurate but i uh-huh. I, I understand it i understand the vibe and, and i talked about some of it earlier with with spielberg like you know i i, I obviously i love where they landed up on this but for him to you know I, I guess i just get bummed for him that he just felt like i hope he didn't feel like he had to do this and i think you're right to touch on like, well, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it my way or put, put some heart and spirit and a big theme about father and son stuff into it. Clearly he does. But if there's just like this, ah, damn it, we got to do this. We got to do it right again. Um, I just think it's, like, it's not fair to Temple. It's not even fair to Raiders. I don't know. It's just it's sometimes uh, part of that legend of the story. Um, it, it goes, sorry, it, made, it just it goes into some stuff we talk in Star Wars too when, when, when we know mm-hmm. too much of scoop culture and we know the director said got fired for this and this, all that kind of stuff. It's impossible not to know it, but how you take that into your viewing or you take that into your discussion, discussing the film. I think you can discuss this film in a way that, that, that slags this film off because, well, even Spielberg just wanted to do the same thing again. And, and none of that's necessarily true. None of it's quotes, but that's the vibe around the conversation. So, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe it, it, not, I don't, I don't, I don't need the movie to be any different, but that's always kind of, been one thing that's bummed me out a little bit that maybe uh you know uh we we're all depressed we failed in the last one let's do it again you didn't necessarily fail and you didn't need to do the same thing so i don't know you know what i mean i i like that they they the three films end up being very different than one another in tone they are and i and i I think there is this to me fascinating enjoyable wonkiness of lucas's is, is has done this star wars trilogy and it it plays out in this very uh, specific mm-hmm. way because it's linear. And then mm-hmm. this trilogy is fascinating because it, it gets wonky because with the, with the prequel and, mm-hmm. you know, all sorts of different elements, but tonally it mm-hmm. is so similar to the original trilogy of star Wars, where the first one is just this explosion of discovery that is mm-hmm. 
playing with it in in ancient form, but entirely reinventing it for a new and modern audience and creating its own myth and its own canon. Mm. Uh, then the second is is darker, and the characters absolutely go through it. And and Last Crusade is is so Return of the Jedi of it's it's brighter and it's mm. happier, and it's even in its comedy, it's a little broader and a little cuter yeah and uh you know uh there's the emotional equivalent of ewoks present uh in terms of just the brightness of it uh and and it ends on the the victory it's ultimately a it's a feel-good film and i know like our friend uh you know mark ellis says hey i want to feel good so i watch return of the jedi they win in that one Mm -hmm. um and i feel like that emotion is present here as well yeah, yeah, no, I, I, yeah, which is why even what I'm saying is like I, I, I don't want this movie to be anything different than it is. Um, I, I, I think that's great, and yeah, there's little things along the way. Um, I, I would love to see, you know, it's so yeah, you're right. This is a, a George is like I've got a trilogy, but it, it never really has truly felt like that to me. It has just felt like chapters in an ongoing adventure, which is why mm-hmm. I don't have a problem with them trying a fourth movie, whether you like it or not. I, I enjoy it, but I, I'm glad with that. I'm glad we're gonna have a fifth one. Um. You know, if there's ways to tell the story with, with other characters or, or play in this universe, it's great. But it doesn't have to be super, super connected like the Star Wars thing does. Um, but yeah, I know I would have loved to seen. It's not just a Marion and Short Round and Sala, like you mentioned, and everything. Like um, I think, I think Jonathan Reese Davis said they thought was it Crystal Skull that they were going to bring him back, but he was like, yeah, it wasn't a role worth the the character at this point mm-hmm. in my life and career. So um, I would, but I'd love to see a little bit more of that development with Indy along the way. You know, and, and not just as simply as short run coming, short round coming back. But what is his relationship with short round? What does what short round do with him there? Uh, I, w- I would have minded that um, if I was on a YouTube show in '89, I probably would have <laughs> asked for that. Yeah, and I think that is the thing that I that I struggle with as well. Of like, yeah, they, they initially made a trilogy, uh, mm-hmm. but everything about the idea of Indiana Jones is serial adventure of and that's and what James Bond had been very successful at of yeah. here are the ingredients they change from time to time but we also do have the ingredients and every two years here's another James Bond adventure and you kind of know mm-hmm. what to expect by a James Bond adventure but will also surprise you yeah and that to me seems like the the heart of Indiana Jones and why I'm glad that it continued and there's a fourth and, and fifth film. Yeah, that. that said, you know the the weird thing of one of the motivations of doing the prequel for Temple of Doom is we didn't want to answer the question where's Marion, so then we go forward in time and we still don't. Yeah, um, yeah. And obviously the the fourth film reckons with that. We get our answer later, but uh, if I was on a YouTube show in '89, that that would have vexed me of. Mm-hmm. in answer to where Marion is, because I think it could have played into the themes. There, There's yeah. an anger from Indy that the his father's obsession with the grail, there's an implication that it, it made things worse with his mother, mm-hmm. uh, who, who mm-hmm. passed, not, not like his obsession with the grail killed her. I'm not saying that, but there could be a little bit more of a tit, tit for tat of, well, where where did Marion end up, Junior? You know? Yeah. yeah. No, I, no, I really agree with that. I, the fact there wasn't even you know uh a mention so to speak and, and and you could look at it too simply as a you know canon answers or something like that but just what does it mean for for indy that uh, apologies hal henson i would have liked them to go deeper into the <laughs> on that um yeah and i think it was probably it was probably less questioned at the time which is a bad thing you're right because this is just i mean you're literally this is no disrespect to alice and duty i think again i think she's wonderful in this film uh, it goes on to have this uh, still ongoing career, 
But I mean, you can't ignore that it was, uh, you know, Karen Allen's being replaced by a 21 year old um, mm-hmm. and that kind of trope of, of just the business. And I'm not putting pointing fingers at anyone involved in this production. It's just no one questioned it. That's what you did. And, and then we started questioning mm-hmm. it later on um, as we should. So yeah, that, that that's part of what maybe the disappointment is, you know? Yeah, no. And I, I agree that it is better that we question those things. Now, one of the um, extras on that, that disc that I keep talking about uh, is a round table, I think at AFI with the women of Indiana Jones. And it's a very short clip of, uh, of them talking. And the joke that uh, Alison duty keeps making is like, well, the, the romance was with Sean. Sean took my role. So like I had mm-hmm. a very different role. You can't really compare it to mm-hmm. Marion or even Willie because the, 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 the relationship was with Sean's. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, that's, that's insightful. True. Yeah. And a funny joke. Um, the other thing for me is it, it's, uh, you know, uh, it, it is what it is. Uh, the brotherhood of the cruciform sword being wiped out. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, there's like first in the boat chase, there, it, it's a great turn that Indy realizes like, oh, we don't we don't need to be at odds uh, with one another. These are not the people responsible for kidnapping and, you know, mm-hmm. possibly hurting my father. Um, and fair enough, they chased Indy first, but the fact that he's got this kind of like, oh, hey, sorry, 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 buddy, <laughs> uh, attitude with Kazim, where after so many people died in that chase is, and then uh, I, I understand that there's a tonal thing. This film is trying to be fun and forward moving. It slows down just a little bit to honor Kazim mm-hmm. and the Brotherhood of the Cruciform Sword, but they're just wiped out by Nazis and it's, uh, mm-hmm. it, we, we don't get to feel the weight of that. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely agree with that. Uh, you, you, the only one you get to dope. And I think, I think it's, uh, he's, he's great when he's got those moments, but yeah. Um, I, I, I get something that maybe you put together. I don't know. Maybe you don't, but maybe you put together a little differently if you do it now or reapproach it. I agree. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, we talk about it all the time with, with star Wars There's you know, star Wars is, uh, built to be the first film. Uh, a fun adventure movie where the, the genocide of a planet happens and we move on pretty quick. Yeah. yeah. It's just a Tuesday for Indiana Jones. Someone chased him in a yep. boat and they blew up. <laughs> just a Tuesday, but I did want to bring it up because it does have the uh, extra issue on like the Death Star of uh, some real world representation issues in this context. Indeed. Uh, all right. Uh, we are just about out of here. I think we're going to beat the runtime of the film on this uh, episode, we exceeded it on Temple of Doom. But is there anything that we haven't touched on that you wanted to for the last crusade? No, thrilled to get to this one. And uh, it's always fun. I mean, I'll probably be watching it in two weeks anyway. So good to get <laughs> If I had time, I'd rewatch it tonight. Uh, the thing that I wanted to mention is this is a fabulous Indiana Jones film for fans of classic Doctor Who uh, Julian Glover has a long and sterling career, uh, but he plays the baddie in one of the most celebrated uh, Doctor Who serials, uh, City of Death, that mm-hmm. they did film uh, parts of in Paris and actually go uh, to the top of the Eiffel Tower, just like you did recently. Um, yeah, Julian Glover is so phenomenal. And then uh, we obviously know Michael Sheard is is Admiral Ozel, but he is in several classic Doctor Who episodes. He's in some of the very uh, greatest. He's in an episode called Mind of Evil. He's in an episode called uh, Remembrance of the Daleks, which is one of my very favorites. And he's in probably my very favorite Doctor Who serial uh, called Pyramid of uh, Pyramids of Mars. 
which on a lark is just like, I, I had a stressful day and, and Sarah wasn't home. And I was like, I need a frozen pizza and comfort television. Mm. And I put on Pyramids of Mars, entirely forgetting that Michael Sheard is in it. And it's a riff on the old uh, mummy film. So it's about archaeology mm. and accidentally unearthing uh, powers that you maybe shouldn't. Uh, so I watched that and then went right into Last Crusade. That's so it was funny. a great Michael Sheard double feature. Yeah, that's great. I love that. All right, Ken, here's my fun question to wrap up. What object would you risk your life to grab while dangling over a bottomless pit? <laughs> uh, uh, nothing. I got to let it go. I got to let it go. It might be It might be lunch. I am notorious for picking up things <laughs> I dropped and eating them um, after the five-second rule. It's not long, folks, but uh, it might be a good uncrustable. But other than that, I got to tell you, when it comes to, like, items, unless it's a dog, Grace, I have the ability to let it go. Maybe because this movie was in my life. Well, I should have let you go last because that's a much better ending <laughs> than any BS I'm going to say. Uh, I, I like that the five second rule is also the bottomless pit rule. Yeah. Pick it up within five seconds is fine. Don't pick it up if you're risking falling <laughs> into a horrific chasm. I'm, uh, I'm notorious for eating table French fries. So, <laughs> ah, that's, oh, come on. That's yeah. no problem. Yeah. That's no, do, do, do people know where plates have been? Um <laughs> Horrible, horrible. Uh, I'm, I'm working on getting better at, at letting go. I think uh, in, in some sort of uh, bigger philosophical ways, I'm very affected by the Star Wars lessons. These lessons are, are great discussions about letting go. I'm struggling with it, with with physical objects. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm going to be honest. I'm looking at my original 1980 Yoda. If, if Yoda was on the edge of a chasm, I'd probably take a risk. <laughs> it's worth it. Well, I, yeah. To clarify it and 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 kick it back to you here, like I'll hold on, like when it comes to like physical things, collectibles and things that mean, like I hold on to them for a very long time. Then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they're gone. Like my Y wing, mm -hmm. my original Y wing, I had that for thirty plus years, and it was broken. It was beat up. The batteries didn't work. And then I did that move, and I looked at it, and went, "Eh, now's the time." And I went to the dumpster, tossed it, and didn't look back. And it's just like that. So maybe again, maybe it's this movie of a lifelong obsession. The Grail, uh, Doctor Jones, let it go. Maybe I learned for the, from this movie more than I realized. Yeah, you know what? I'm struggling with physical items because it, it is just you know, it, it, there's a lot of loss in life, and mm -hmm. aging is is you know losing a part of your life. And yeah. I got an instinct to to cling to especially endowed objects that have any kind of memory. And like, I've got the memory. I know that's the answer of like. I know what this means to me and it will still mean that to me if I never see it again, mm -hmm. but I'm struggling with clinging to it. But in terms of experiences, uh, I, I think I, I like what you're saying of um, I've been, I've been better about making choices if I only have so much time. So uh, I'm not going to stop being a performer. I can perform anytime I want, but right now I'm not going to do this one particular standup show. That's okay. It will still be there if I want to go back. Nice. Uh, so Thanks, Last Crusade, uh, for helping me say no to a stand-up show. <laughs> love it. Love it. Uh, all right, Ken, take us home. Yes, I will take us home. It's Let's get on the horses and ride off into the sunset. Uh, but the adventure continues. Uh, thanks for listening to Indiana Jones and the Perilous Podcast, whether it's on Patreon, where you support us, or later on, when we release these episodes to the public. If that happens uh, to be you now and you want to find more of us, we're on Twitter at Force Center Pod. We're on Instagram, YouTube as well. You can also find us on Facebook at Force Center Post Podcast. Uh, and Hive Social. We'll, we'll see, you know, wherever other places 
pop up when we get invites. We'll try to pop up there for you all as well. Merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash force center. You can, uh, you can listen to us on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and more. Just search, you'll find us. And as uh, a lot of you know, because you're hearing this now, you can support us directly at patreon.com slash force center. Follow me at catnapsock or go to catnapsock.com for more. Sir, you have the final horse ride out of here. Where can I find you? Well, yeah, I'll go try to save Brody in another beautiful comedy moment of, of flailing on a horsey, which is what I would do. So that's where you can find me, uh, either on social media, at Joseph Scrimshaw, or flailing on a horsey. Either of those places are good places to find me. Thank you, everyone, for listening. This has been A Perilous Podcast. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.